How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Boom! A Saturday evening boom. Welcome in, everybody. Rob Ellis Show. I got you till 10. My man, Pots and Pans, Anthony Foley, producer of the program, John Johnson. Man, I'm blessed for this crew. Rob Cherry's even still here. This is like the Mount Rushmore of WIP that I have Rob Cherry, John Johnson, and Anthony Foley all in the building. I'm thrilled to be with you. I always am. Always blessed to be behind the mic. And I uh, got you for the next four. And we do have a lot of ground to cover here considering we got Phillies games starting in a week. Preseason, but nonetheless. Spring training, nonetheless. Exhibition season, but nonetheless. Phillies in a week. We got Sixers right now at the All-Star break. All-Star game tomorrow. Team LeBron, Team Giannis. I actually broke it down today who I think is going to win. So the degenerates out there, my friends who like to get involved, no matter what, I'm going to take care of you. I'll give you a pick in the All-Star game. The Astros, as I said, and Ant, Ant, we need to find this cut. Johnson may know where it is because it's an all-timer. I need the Jan Gorham shut the bleep up. We need that. I'll need it quite a bit tonight when I'm referencing the Astros, okay? We're going to get to them in a second. Phillies, Eagles, Mason Rudolph situation, XFL, traditions, cheating in sports. It's all going to be covered. 8 o'clock, Bob Brookover from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Inquirer Inquirer.com, is going to join us to talk some Phillies. And we're going to replay at 9 o'clock the interview that Howard Eskin did this morning with Joe Girardi. I think there's some really fascinating stuff to come out of that. And I'll play you some clips, you know, throughout the course of the show. John Johnson is going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour to talk some Sixers as well. So, like I said, we, we got a lot. We're, we're, we're locked and loaded tonight for sure. I want to start with the Sixers from this standpoint because there's been a lot said – over the course of the first half of their season. Now, I'm going to say half knowing they played more than half the games, but at the All-Star break, for our purposes. There's been a lot said about this team. You know, and a lot of it, truthful, a lot of it, and I'm talking about the criticism, has been pointed and right on. A lot of it. And, and a, lot of, a lot of the stuff that they've gotten, a lot of the grief that they've gotten, is deserved. You know, they sit here at 34 and 21, they're unbelievable at home, as we well know, 25-2. and two. They're 9-19 and 19 on the road. They got a long ways to go to catch Milwaukee. I would say they are not catching Milwaukee. I think it's going to be a real ca- challenge to catch Toronto. But I think it's more than doable to get into that three seed. And when you consider everything that's gone down, as bad as it's been on the road, as I mentioned, 9-19, and 19, as much as they've looked, or at least certain players have looked kind of listless at times, as much as... There's been all kinds of questions about their depth, all kinds of questions about fit, all kinds of questions about Brett Brown. All valid. One of the things that's come out, and we've heard it, we've heard it from Chris Broussard. Chris Broussard, 
who throws a lot of stuff at the wall and prays some of it sticks and most of it doesn't. And from others that consider themselves insiders or are considered insiders. One of the things that we've heard is Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons don't get along. Now, you see that they aren't necessarily the greatest fit at times. I think some of that had to do with the players that they were being forced to play with out there. Some of that has to do with Brett Brown not doing a good enough job figuring out how to get them to work together. And I don't want to read too much into one game, but you saw in that Clippers game how you can maybe utilize them a little bit differently to get a little bit more production out of them. And I think if the Sixers go the route in the second half of the season of keeping Al Horford on the bench or bring, bring him off the bench, coupled with Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson, hopefully a better Mike Scott, you'll have a better bench punch. I would start Korkmaz. I would put him in the role of J.J. Redick. I'm not telling you he's J.J. Redick. I'm telling you he can serve at least that purpose of spacing, spreading the floor, and giving you a shooting element that you desperately need. That's what I would do if I was Brett Brown. I would keep this thing rolling that way. I wouldn't change a thing that I did in that Clipper game, but that's what I would do. I'd bring Thibault off the bench. I would, you know, obviously things can change depending on how it goes, and Brett had a pretty quick quick hook for Korkmaz in that game. But that's the direction I would go. I think if they can go that route, if they can grow up and understand that it's not acceptable to show up sometimes and other times not show up, and I'm mainly talking about the big fella, Joel Embiid, I think this team can get as high as a three seed. And if they do, that guarantees them at least one home series. Depending on what happens, if there's any upsets, it could change. But it'll get them at least one, and we know how deadly they are at home. That's best-case scenario. But like I said, there's a lot of stuff floated around. And then I'll need both cuts, Embiid and Simmons. I'm going Embiid first. But there's been a lot said about these two guys and their fit and whether they get along. So Joel Embiid, we'll start with him, was asked by Keith Pompey, during the All-Star festivities, I believe this was today, about his relationship with Ben Simmons and whether or not they get along. Two different types of players. I mean, what, what do your thoughts say when you hear those? I think it's BS um, because when you look at uh, the last couple of years, uh, the last two years that we've been playing together, it was not a problem. Uh, you know, this year is all your problem because at times our offense has struggled. And I think he's, he's, gonna, he's definitely going to be better the last after the All-Star break. Uh, but, I mean, just look at the last two years, what we've been able to do. And I, I think he can work and he's going to work. All right, so I know the audio wasn't great there, but I, I, I hope at home at least, and I think you could make out what Joel was saying. He said basically it's BS. It's only a problem because we haven't been winning as much and, you know, we could get it together in the second half. Basically was the gist of it. Now, you could take him on his word. You could say he's just saying that he's giving you the politically correct answer that we get along and all that kind of stuff. And you could certainly you have every right to be cynical when it comes to that. I'm going to take him on on face here a little bit. Maybe I'll be the uh, the, the naive one for me. I'm usually the cynic. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm turning over a new leaf here. And maybe it's me wanting to have a successful second half of the season to watch and follow in a deep playoff run. Maybe that's part of it, too. But, you know, I, I, I've i seen a team the last two years that's won 50-plus games. Hasn't gotten far enough. We all know that. 
lost in the second round. That's not acceptable this year. I'm not denying that, but these guys haven't played together that long. Now, the proof will be in how they play in the second half for sure, and, and, and talk is cheap and all that. And if this looks the same in the second half, then shame on me for buying into it. But Joel believes it. Now, I'm going to give you another cut. Again, I know the audio is not great because it's, it's in sort of a group setting, and these aren't TV or radio microphones. It's, it's probably an iPhone where the reporters are recording this. But basically, Ben was asked the same thing regarding Joel, and here's what Ben Simmons had to say. <laughs> um, but what has to happen for y'all to do? I mean, it takes time. Not everything is, is supposed to be perfect. Not everything works straight away. You know, we're two different people trying to figure it out. So, I, mean, I love players, y'all. I think it's an amazing time. And uh, yeah, I think it's their first game. I know he feels the same way about me. So, as long as we continue to strive and go the right way, we'll be really fine. How have you seen the dynamic kind of evolve in the last few seasons? How have you seen the dynamic evolve? Yeah, with just all the different roster moves and all that. Yeah, the team, the dynamic with you and Joel, just knowing you know, yeah, different personnel and all that. So many that. different things that we haven't tried. Right. Um, to where it's like, yo, we, we got a lot of talent. It's kind of scary uh, how good we can be. Um, so it's a fun time. Who do you think Luke of the year? Huh? Who do you think Luke of the year? Who do I think? Matisse. All right, so he stuck in a little Matisse love there for Rookie of the Year, which I thought was kind of funny. But, yeah, and, again, Keith Pompey uh, leading the questions there. Um, he's right in that there are things they haven't tried. I'm wondering why it took 50-some-odd games for some of these things to be tried. I get it. I think I know why when you're paying Al Horford the kind of money that you're paying him. You're always hesitant to bring him off the bench, so I get it. At least the Sixers swallowed their pride and were willing to do it finally, but it should have happened sooner. I'm glad it finally happened. What they have to do is remain consistent with it, despite the fact that it may not be, you know, uh, the best situation for Al. You got to do what's best for the team. But I think both players make points. And I actually think this team can go on a run. I do. I laid out the scenario in which I think it happened. And I think, you know, the East is better up top than we thought it was going to be for sure. But if you look at Miami of late, right, they, they've dropped six of their last ten. Some of those younger guys look like they're coming back down to earth. Boston's been really good lately. Toronto's been really good. The Bucks are really good. But we've seen them all. And I, I don't think anybody is unbeatable in this thing, east or west. I think it's doable. I'm not telling you they're going to win a, an NBA championship, but I'm telling you they're a lot better than what they're showing right now. And it feels to me – like the way that this this first half of the season ended for them with a couple of wins under their belt and a Clipper win to close it out with a good taste in their mouth with Horford coming off the bench. I think this team goes on a run in the second half. So I want to gauge where you're at Sixer-wise. we get got a lot to do with the Phillies, a lot to do with the Astros, the Eagles, and a bunch of other side stuff that we have coming up. We'll get a John Johnson update. Again, we'll be hearing from John in the 8 o'clock hour. Get a little Sixers analysis from him as well. Bob Brookover at 8 o'clock, and then the entirety of the Joe Girardi interview with Howard that was this morning. We'll play that for you at 9. But your phone calls, when we get back, you can tweet me at Sports. I am Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 621. Sports Radio 94, WIP 2020 Sports. Brought to you by Papa John's and their new Papa Diaz, which are hand-folded in four flavors, just $6 each. Better ingredients, better pizza, better than a sandwich. 
I'm John Johnson. As we count down the days till Philly's full squad workouts, pitchers and catchers continue to ramp it up on their own. One concern Phil's fans had have, excuse me, under the current front office of Matt Klintek and Andy McPhail has been their use or overuse of analytics. As a guest of Howard Eskin earlier today, how does manager Joe Girardi view them? Numbers are a black and white issue where the game is played in a gray issue, right? So, so it's it. our job to marry them together to make the best possible decision to help players have success. Some days we're going to be right. Some days we're going to be wrong because there's a human element Always involved. To stream 94 WIP, get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports. Go to the all new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Ugh. Come in, John Johnson. Get in my studio right now. What are you up to? Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> no, I, no, I was uh, I was just coming in to tell you I was listening to uh, Joel uh, at the media availability. Calling BS on uh, Yeah, calling BS on uh, those who uh, yeah. feel that he and Simmons can't work. And just listening to the audio of it. I mean, it, you We know. just played it, yeah. Oh, did you? I'm, I apologize. I know, you're yeah, right. I'm, I'm kind of delving in my own little world I know, in there. I know. Uh, but, you know, and he was also asked about uh, Ben's unwillingness to shoot and how it's affected his game. And yeah. He deferred. I mean, he didn't, you know, take a shot at Ben or anything and kind of just basically just said, you know, one of the reasons I'm at the three-point line is because he takes it to the rim. and, and kind That's of a positive danced, way to put it. Right. He, he danced around it mm -hmm. as opposed to venting. So, yeah. I mean, however when you look, however maybe you want to look at it. either they've been programmed or maybe they're trying to get along and trying, right. to, look, trying to be a little bit more grown up about this. Right. I, maybe. I, I'll choose to give the benefit of the doubt. See, well, I, I see. I'll go the opposite. Okay. I don't allow it because we've we've seen this. We've read this book before. We've seen this movie. We know how it ends. We've seen it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you have to prove it to me otherwise. Okay. I, I'm, you know, it's great to hear. All right. But uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll I, again, I, I'm on page We're fifteen, and I've I've already read to page sixty. I, I hear you. I hear so you. So I'm I'm hoping for one of those. You know, what are those books where you have like the option, like go to the cave or. You ever see you the know. commercial? It's like a car commercial, right? And the guy's in, in his fancy car, and he's like a books on tape or something like that. And he's, <laughs> he's going to a book club meeting with his with his girlfriend or wife or something. Mm -hmm. And he's like, tell me about blah, blah, blah. And he gets a little synopsis of it so he can go fake it at his book club. What are we trying to do with that? that that's I don't know what you're trying to sell. That's Costanza. Yeah, I mean, okay, you're a, a fraud and a cheat and a liar. Good for you, dude. Go to your book club. Yeah. Why go to the book club then? I mean, this is well. This whole when it comes to the Sixers, it's more of a uh, uh, choose your what you know. Remember those books? What am I? What's the name of those books? You know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? No. Uh, you like choose your adventure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like you you choose the ending? Yeah. Yes. I mean, we keep choosing A, not realizing maybe there's a B. They just haven't written it in yet. All right. So this is what you're going to get in less than an less than two hours from John Johnson. We are going to get <laughs> full blown Sixer talk. John, thank you for the update. Yep. I, I always appreciate you looking out. John's always looking out. Good man to have. Every single time. doesn't matter what the role is that he's doing here at WIP. 888-729-9494, pound nine four nine four. All right, you heard John. John's not buying it, right? And he's around this all the time, covers the Sixers on a daily basis. He thinks that these guys are just basically giving you sort of the PC. Hey, you know, uh, Ben drives to the basket a lot. Therefore, I got to, you know, get outside. I don't know why. I, I'm, I'm believing it. I'm believing these two can get along. I'm believing that... 
if coached up properly and with the right frame of mind, I'm not putting this all on Brett Brown, that these two can not only get along but thrive again. We've seen them thrive in the past. You know, and I think one of the biggest mistakes the Sixers made, and I know he got two years, I know it was probably better money that he should have gotten for his age, and I know the defensive limitations and all that, but one of the biggest mistakes the Sixers made was not bringing J.J. Redick back. He gives you the shooting. He's great off of the pick and roll with Joel. Joel loves him or loved him as a player when he was here. Now, they've kind of backed their way in, gotten very fortunate that Korkmaz has given them more than they thought he was going to give them. And he has played, yeah, I think, much better than, than anybody in the league and in the organization itself thought he would have. Question is, could he keep this up? Or was it just a nice little run for him? But I really think for the most part, all year, he's outplayed expectations. You know, he, he's legitimately made himself a part of that rotation. And I think he's earned it. And I think even though he's not, you know, maybe a starting player in this league, for the Sixers situation, he's probably the best choice right now. And I'm looking at it like you got some balance also. With Horford with GR3, or Little Big Dog, Alec Burks, you know, the rest of the crew coming off the bench. All of a sudden now you got a little bit of depth to you. So I'm choosing to believe. (laughs) I'm choosing to buy it. But I wanted to play this for you as well. And this was from Thursday, the Houston Astros. They finally met with the media, their owner, their players, etc. And I just want you to hear... And you wonder why an organization is spinning spinning its wheels the way that this one is, looks as bad as it looks from the top down. Because I'm a firm believer in if your boss-slash-manager-slash-owner is a clown, the odds are it's going to trickle down to everybody else. So I want you to hear this. And I I want you to specifically listen to what Jim Crane, the Astros owner, says. Then listen to the follow-up and listen to what he says to that. So here was Jim Crane on the Astros cheating scandal and the impact it had on baseball. You know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, We had a good team. Um, We won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. Jim, when talking about the Yankees there, did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? And what do you mean by that? I I didn't say it didn't impact the game. You know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. sign stealing is a distinct advantage for the hitter. So how is it that it doesn't affect competition? So then what are you guys apologizing for? Um, We're apologizing because we broke the rules. But isn't sign stealing a distinct advantage for the hitter, so doesn't it automatically impact competition? It, it, it could possibly do that. It could possibly not. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap up. Thank you, Dusty. Thank you, Jim. Okay. Uh, I, I want to first, before we analyze what he had to say, I, I want to hand out a piece of advice for Jim Crane, and it's this. Shut up. You and all of your players, shut up. You directly contradicted yourself. 
Okay. The follow-up question, which, by the way, came a minute and seven seconds later from Jeff Passan of ESPN. Minute and seven seconds later. You first say it didn't impact the game. Then you say, I didn't say that. And then you said, I didn't say that again. It did impact the game. If it didn't have an impact in the game, why would you go to the lengths that you went to as an organization? If steroids didn't make you better, why would guys do them? And then I'm reading today where Carlos Correa went off on Cody Bellinger, who had an issue with the way that the Astros handled things. So Correa says to MLB Network, the problem I have is when players go out there and they don't know the facts, they're not informed about the situation, they just go out there and go on camera and talk. When Bellinger talks about we cheated for three years, he either doesn't know how to read, is really bad at reading comprehension, or is just not informed at all. The commissioner's report clearly says that all the activities were conducted in 2017. 2018, nothing happened. 2019, nothing happened. It, ju- it was just talented players playing the game of baseball with passion and winning ballgames. Give me a break. If there's anybody out there who believes that this only took place in 2017, you are absolutely unequivocally kidding yourself. Kidding yourself. And Correa just needs to be quiet. Take your medicine, guys. Take whatever you're getting. Let everybody comment. Let everybody chime in. Just shut up and take it. And go out there and show everybody how good you are without cheating. Plain and simple. It's absolutely unbelievable. And by the way, and I'll get into why Correa's comments were completely uninformed too. But is it any wonder that these pitcher, the, these players on the Astros are lashing back? You know why they're doing it? Because of their idiot owner. When your owner says the things that he said on Thursday, your players are, gonna, are bound to say things that are dumb. Plain and simple. If the owner put an edict out there saying, guess what? Face up to the media on Thursday. Own it. Get it over with. Move on from there. And whatever is said on the outside is said. Worry about us. But, of course, that doesn't happen because they're all too dumb. And I'm not a name caller necessarily, but when I see some of this stuff, I can't wait for this team, and I hope, because they are a very talented team, I hope this team gets their head handed to them every single game, every single series, the entire season. I really hope they don't make the playoffs. Let's go to Lance on a cell. Lance, you're on 94 to VIP. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Lance. Hey, that interview, you hear, he, he even says, uh, point blank, yeah, we were a good team and we won the World Series. He doesn't say they were the best team. He knows they cheated. That's what he's admitting to. Yeah, he, we were a good team, not the best. Who wouldn't say they were the best and that's why they won? Yeah, I mean, look, he, he's it's ridiculous, though. I mean, the fact that he totally contradicts himself saying it didn't impact the game, then it did, then it didn't. I mean, stop. Just stop. Multiple times. Yeah, the worst. He's the worst, that guy. Yeah, could you imagine if that happened in Philly, what they'd be saying about us? Well, yeah, from the outside, yeah, they'd be getting killed. There's no question about it. There is no and, – and look, I, I, and I'm not telling you um, we're not all hypocritical here because if it was the Phillies, I'm sure we'd be trying to figure out ways to, to justify it. And all that. It's just the nature of the beast when it's your team that you root for. I get it. But, you know, there comes a point in time where you're caught red-handed that you just take your medicine. 
and they don't seem to be willing to take their medicine. None of them get it on this team. No, it's, it's a shame, but I'm glad it's not us. But yeah. I wanted to let you guys know those books, you're absolutely right. They're called Choose Your Own Adventure. And Choose uh, Your Own available. Adventure. That's, that's what they're called. You can get them. I even have a T-shirt of one. How about you? All right, nice. Yeah, yeah, so they're out there, but they're called Choose Your Own Adventure. That's awesome. Okay. Did you, did you have an all-star weekend point? Uh, no, I, I've been in the speaker, so it's a great weekend for me. I picked up a few things, so I'm pretty excited about them. All right. They came out with a few good things. My man. All right, appreciate it, Lance. I appreciate you guys. All have right, a good brother. one. You got it. All right, uh, let's get Sean in here from Mullica Hill. What's going on, Sean? Hey, Rob. Always, always good to hear you back on the radio, man. Thanks, my man. Appreciate it. Um, and by the way, I told you, uh, I think right before the Super Bowl, I called the day before about Demi Lovato, five out of seven. <laughs> now it's six out of eight about being two mi- under two minutes, man. I told you. You did nail it, dude. You, I hope you, I hope you, uh, <laughs> you know, put a little something, something on it, too. Yeah, I won like a dollar. Who am I kidding? <laughs> right. well, dollar's better than nothing, right? That's true. Um, I got to say, it, it's, I, I 100% agree with you with the Astros that it, they need to shut up. I think what's making it look even worse is that all the other players who aren't on the team are coming out and apologizing that saying it was wrong and blah, blah, blah. And it's, uh, you know, agreed Korea needs to just shut up. Like you're making things a lot worse. Let everyone, you were wrong. Let just sit there and take the heat, man. Just take everything because you cheated. You got caught, suck it up and just stop talking because you are just digging yourself such a bigger hole. The more you talk. And the ironic, Sean, the ironic part is, the one guy who came off sounding sincere was Correa at first, and now he's listening to all the outside noise. Like, just you're not going to win this because you got the the entire. I've never seen a and and a league like Major League Baseball where everybody is just completely out of their mind, angry about this. Even when the Patriots were cheating, you didn't hear other teams chiming in like this. Yeah, not a little, not even a little bit. And the and then you want to come out and say, oh, he didn't want his shirt pulled off because of a tattoo. Please, you're telling me that you have such a self conscious issue that you can be on TV 162 games a year and do all this, but a tattoo is where you draw the line. Nonsense. Of no, don't, no, I just hit the biggest home run probably in my career, unless he does it again somehow. But it's really that that's that's your excuse. Yeah. Like, just stop, man. And I think one of the worst things is that. Now Girardi's getting questions. Oh, well, how will you handle cheating? Like this is now going to sh- spread over to all thirty, all the other well, thirty-one that's teams, the other and part. just show it's going to be looked at. What do they think's going to happen every time they show up and on in a you know on the road for a series? They're going to be asked about oh it God, every I mean, single time in the fir- before the first game of that series. Every single time, they're not. There's no escaping this, and it's just starting. So you better get used to it. Yeah. Well, I look forward to them coming to Philly in the in the middle of the summer. That'll be a, a, a fun series. It's going to be crazy, Sean. I got to run, but good stuff, man. Always good talking to you. Thanks, man. All right, brother. Eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four pound nine four nine four on your AT and T and Verizon cell. The atmosphere on the road for them in the first game of every series is going to be like when Bonds was chasing, you know, Hank Aaron. It's going to be very similar. I'm Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is six forty one. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. Brought to you by Parks Casino and Sportsbook, the only sportsbook backed by the number one casino in Pennsylvania. uh, Parks Casino and Sportsbook. Download the app now 
and get a risk-free bet up to $500. Parkscasino.com slash PA for details. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm John Johnson. One of the biggest frustrations of the Gabe Kapler era of Phillies baseball was his philosophy at the plate and seeming non-issue with players repeatedly striking out. As a guest of Howard Eskin earlier today, Joe Girardi sees things much differently. Strikeouts do matter. And and, and, and to just just say that, I mean, there are certain guys, there are certain at-bats that a strikeout's not going to matter, right? And outs and out. But there are a lot of at-bats that we need you to put the ball in play. To stream 94 WIP, get our podcast. All the latest stories in Philadelphia sports, go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Six forty-seven on this beautiful cold. It's gonna warm up tomorrow, though. Saturday evening. At least we didn't get any rain today, right? Are we looking at a positive? We didn't get any rain. If there was precipitation in the air, it was certainly cold enough today that we would have gotten some snow. So we avoided that. Look at it. Look at. I'm just glass half full tonight. I don't know what's going on here. So, Ann, are you shocked? I mean, I'm not exactly Debbie Downer you guy, arrived, but I, here. I, yeah, I don't know what's going on here, man. I'm like. Uh, Sixers are going to be fine. At least we didn't get snow, even though it's 20-something degrees out right now. I'm like uh, Tim Robbins tonight. You have, but it has. Tim Ro- Anthony Robbins, <laughs> right? It's felt like uh, Chicago Windy City, though, like All-Star Weekend here. Dude, today week. was cold. Goodness. I'm not – not that I had, like, a super long walk from where I parked my car as I walked up Market Street, but that it's bad boy – steps. That bad boy was coming right back. Uh, no, it wasn't – maybe going down to my car will take me the other way. I'll feel good. I'll ride that tide. But it was it – was, it was in the grill today, man, for sure. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. So we're on the the Astros thing right now. And we'll, we'll get John and Maniac in one second. Let's talk about it. But, uh, you know, I'll put it out there because we talked about this in the crossover with, with Mike Kern and Rob Cherry. Uh, down deep, yes, you know, we're all, you know, screaming, yelling about the Astros and what they did and incorporating technology and, and what that means and all those kind of things. And, and to me, yeah, there is a line between being able to stand on second and pick up signs because, you know what, that's shame on you for being so obvious if you're a pitcher or a catcher that you're giving that kind of thing up. That's gamesmanship. I really, I do believe there is a distinction. But we are also hypocrites, all of us. You know, think about, for those of us who remember it, how fondly that 93 team is looked back on. They're beloved, you know, lovable bunch of uh, you know, just crazies and all this other stuff with, with, with Kruk and, and Inky and Danny Jackson and Lenny and that whole group, right? And I'm not telling you they all did steroids or PEDs, but we, we, have, we know at least Lenny and, and, and there's probably a decent amount of others that were on that team that were involved. Okay, we know that. Has that changed the outlook of that team for anybody? I mentioned in the crossover the J.C. Romero on that on the OA team, even though he denies that he that he knew he was taking anything that was you know against baseball rules. He tested positive during the '08 season. I think he paid the suspension for it. Uh, you know, starting in '09. We don't look at '08 any differently. So uh, you know, the, the the question is, do you care if your team cheats? Like I get it, everybody's outraged about the Astros. But the question is, do you care if your team cheats? 
Like, think about Lane Johnson, right? He's tested positive twice in his career. Does anybody have any issue with Lane Johnson? All we wanted was for Lane Johnson to get back out on the field, right? We don't care. We don't care one bit. Football's looked at completely differently than baseball. Baseball, everybody cares about the records and gets outraged when, when, when records are in jeopardy from guys who are, you know, questionable when it comes to that. With football, it's serve your four games, get right back out there. Two different sports, two different approaches from the public. You know, with, with Bonds and Clemens and everybody else, it, it's just utter outrage and scorn. In football, who cares? These guys are warriors, man. They got to do whatever they got to do to get their body ready and get out there because of the punishment and the beating that they take. But that's the way it is. That's just the way we look at things. So I'll, I'll specify. Let's say we found out that the 08 Phillies were involved in some kind of cheating scandal like this. Would that change the way you look at that team at all? Do we care if our team cheats? I say we don't. I say we're willing to look the other way. Let's go to John and Manio. John, you're on 94 to VIP. What's up, Rob, man? Listen, hey, John. Uh, been calling you for a long time, dude. Big Thanks. fan. Appreciate it, John. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> listen, so, you know, I've been calling you since college probably about 10 years ago, so this, this call is going to make me feel really old because I, so, I'm gonna, I sound like an old man about it right now. Here's the thing that I think a lot of people aren't talking about, and this is like a big meta, almost like a macro problem that, that this Houston Astros thing is going to cause. Like, back in 2011, 12, 13, they lost, like, 100-plus games three years in a row. Right. They were, like, an abysmal, embarrassing professional franchise. Like, you know what I mean? And that's how they got the Springers and the Correas and the, and the Altuvies, like, with, with all those draft picks. Yeah. And that was kind of conveniently right around the time the Sixers were purposely losing with the Nerlens Noel and the Michael Carter-Williams teams and just, you know, D-League players mm-hmm. trying, trying the tanking on purpose kind of style. Like, <clears throat> the Houston Astros, like, got rewarded for that garbage because they, the, they won the World Series. Now, if at the time, everyone, before everyone knew that they cheated, they were just like, wow, look at that. Like, and then the hinky people, which, you know, like on, on every walk of life and every sport, but anyone that, like, defended tanking or not, like, see, it works. Like, right. you win a championship because of that. Mm-hmm. And now they, like, you found out that they were cheating. And, I, and I'm telling you right now, I bet you there was something – I bet you there was a few comments in the Oakland Raiders – or now the Las Vegas Raiders war room, and they were trading away Khalil Mack and Perpixons, kind of looking like they were maybe tanking a little bit, like – Look, the Houston Astros won. Like, this can work. This will get us a championship. Right. And it just, like, really bothers me. I feel like I'm an old man. But, like, the integrity of, like, all the sporting, like, like just, like, the pure game part of it just seems so tainted now that, like, I've been a massive baseball fan my whole life. It feels so dirty. John, let me make sure I'm yeah. understanding exactly where you're coming from. So are you more bothered by the the cheating, the tank, or both in that they're not just – you're not purely going out with the objective is to win. Like, what what is it that exactly I, 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 is bothering you? I, I guess I'm more – I'm angry that, like, how big of a – like, like they, they cheated and they won, and it wasn't just, like, a normal win. Like, if, if the Patriots won three times without cheating and the fourth one was cheating, eh, whatever. Like, like they hadn't won ever. It was their first win ever. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, literally defined tanking for a few different other sports. Okay. It was during the Houston floods. It was a massive thing, like yeah. – pop culture wise and it was a cheating thing like it just it makes me feel so sad that i was so jacked up for them i was so like i didn't care about kershaw getting shelled even though i love kershaw now i feel really horrible for kershaw because they cheated i feel like they just 
it, it isn't just they cheated in one World Series. They affected so many things on a macro level in multiple sports, and that's what bothers me the most. That like they're okay. not being punished for, it and it's not going to be swept under the rug. So no, I, 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 I an old man I, barking, but no, no, no. I look. I but, first of all, I. We yeah. want to attribute any time anybody takes a stance on anything to you, you know you're a boomer. I, I I'm not buying that. Like I I, I hear you. I hear where you the way you feel. Yeah. Like and I, I what I really liked about the Astros the way that like they did it sort of the old fashioned way through their farm system, which I think is the way you ultimately have to yeah. sustain winning. Like they, they, they didn't tell did they tank. They lost. They just stunk. Yeah, and, and that, they just drafted really good players. Right, and I. I, I really liked that. Like, there was something pure about it for me. I know that sounds crazy to say now in light of everything we know, but there was something pure about that. And now you look at it, and look, they're still talented. Don't get me wrong. But it's like yeah. I wanted that to work for all the right reasons just because I think that's the way you should do it in sports. And and now it's like no. – and, and on top of it, they're an incredibly unlikable bunch of bleeps. They really are. Now they are. I mean, like, listen, I, like I said, I was I, – I, they were, they were such a good story, and, and it literally, I think, like I said, I think, like, there, I remember the, the, the sports shows and the panels for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. People were justifying the Sixers tanking because of the Houston Astros. I remember those calls. Yeah. People being like, look, what, they won the World Series. Will you care if the Sixers win a championship? And everyone, no, I won't care. But, like, they cheated. It just it just bothers me how much they affected, and it rubs me the wrong way, and I'm not, you know, I don't know. That's hey, it. don't, listen, show, listen, listen I, John, don't apologize yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, man, that's the way you feel. I appreciate nah, I feel it. You, man. All right. I you got it. John's fired up. I like it. And he's fi- he, he kind of took it to a different level, right? He Not only does he tie it into the cheating part of it, but the, the tanking. Now, I didn't I'll, I'll be, I don't change my stance the way I felt about what the Sixers did. I was okay with it. I thought in the way that that league was set up, sometimes you have to go to extremes. Like the last thing you ever want to be is in that purgatory position, and we all know who those teams are. The Orlando Magics. The Washington Wizards, the Detroit Pistons, the Orlando—you know—the uh, Portland Trailblazers of the world—they're the perennial eight seed, seven seed, nine seed. They're perennially okay. Okay, get you nowhere. It's a league of extremes. You got to go to one extreme sometimes to get to the other extreme. Sometimes you have to be awful to get good. That's just the way it is. And I didn't have a problem with the way they went about it. I think if in hindsight, if Hinky could have done it over again, he probably wouldn't have been as overt about it. I think he would have been uh, – he would have met with the media a little bit more for sure. And while it was getting old with him and it was probably time to change things up, I thought it was a disgrace that the NBA forced him out. They should not get involved in that kind of situation. The only time you get involved if you're a league – is if there's something going on like Donald Sterling, something to that extent, racism, uh, illegal activities. You know, we all know where the lines are drawn as far as that stuff goes. But a philosophy, I don't, I don't see Adam Silver getting involved with the Knicks who have a buffoon of an owner who has run that organization into the ground and forcing him out or somebody else out. So I didn't like that. Not not to get off the, the cheating thing. I'm just giving you my, my tank take. But the question I have is we roll into the 7 o'clock hour, and we'll talk to Bob Brookover from the Philadelphia Inquirer at 8 o'clock. We'll talk some Phillies with Bob. Do you care if your team cheats? If the shoe was on the Phillies from 08, the same cheating scandal shoe. And you remember, there were some issues with Phillies using binoculars out of the dugout, et cetera. 
But if it was to this extent with technology and possibly buzzers and all this other stuff, would you care? Would, you, would it change the way that you looked at your team winning a championship? We'll get a timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue with your phone calls, 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. I'm Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 6.58. Seven o'clock hour. Happy Saturday, Delaware Valley. I am Rob Ellis. I got you till ten. Mention Bob Brookover is going to join us in about an hour from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Talks some Phillies. Spring training a week away from exhibition games, and you can hear those games on Saturday and Sunday of next week right here on WIP. Later in the eight o'clock hour, John Johnson is going to join us. We'll talk some uh, some Sixers with John. And we're going to replay from this morning. Howard Eskins down in Clearwater, and he had Joe Girardi on. You heard a cut that John played in his last update from Joe, which I got to tell you, pretty much everything that I've heard so far from Joe Girardi is exactly what I would have hoped I would have heard from him. Like him saying to me that strikeouts do mean something, they are important, they do matter, is like freaking music to my ears. I hate that trend in baseball. I hate the thought process from, you know, the little Stepfords who just follow along everything that analytics say, telling me that strikeouts are meaningless. They're not meaningless. Putting the ball in play, possibly having the other team make an error. Putting the ball in play, hitting the ball to the right side with a runner on so you can score a run. Hitting a sack fly. Please spare me a strikeout is the same as any out. It's not. The only time you're better off with a strikeout is when you would have grounded into or lined into a double play. That's it. And you have no idea if that's going to happen. Give me a guy who will make contact any day, any day over the all or nothing mentality that some folks have. And it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm thankful that I don't have to listen to Gabe Kapler anymore, honestly. Like, I didn't think he was as bad a manager as some people made him out to be, but I I thank God that I don't have to listen to somebody profiling well or a 15-minute soliloquy on a middle reliever who came in in a nine-run game either either way and pitched well or that a strikeout doesn't mean anything. I, I, I am just so thankful that I don't have to hear that anymore, and Girardi is a nice complimentary mix of new school analytics and old school thought process. Just very happy for that. Let's go back to the phones. Go to Kevin in Plymouth meeting. Kevin, you're on 94 WIP. Kevin. Hey, how are you? Good, man. Hey. Yeah, I was just calling in on your on your question, like would we care if our own team cheated? And um, I guess I, when I was thinking about it, I had like two different opinions, I guess, depending on what we were talking about. So with people calling in about the tanking, I think that a lot of, folks when that was happening with the Sixers with other teams they kind of see it as a form of cheating um and I never really did I always thought tanking was just a strategy more than anything else and I kind of I think I'm in the minority but with like PEDs and steroids I also in professional sports um never really saw it as an issue I feel like that professional athletes they know the risk the good the bad the indifferent um it's just like someone for me, deciding to play longer, even though they know the risk of concussions versus like a Andrew Luck deciding, you know what, this isn't worth it to me and heading out early and things like that. And I get the risk of the trickle-down effect into kids, but otherwise, 
even though it's quote unquote cheating, I personally never had an issue with it. But um, in professional sports, I mean. All but, right. Well, let, let's like, let's dig, he, let's dig in on a couple of those, Kev. For start, let, let's start okay. with. I never thought tanking was cheating either. I mean, it's a philosophy. It stinks for the fans for a couple of years. There's no denying that. Um, but I think especially in a league like the NBA, the way that it's set up, where you need you know multiple superstars generally to win some exceptions like I wouldn't say I I think Toronto last year had a superstar and a lot of really good players so I'm not telling you it's always that way but I don't I don't view that as cheating I'm with you I think it's a philosophy that uh, people can disagree with that that it's you know say it's a bad philosophy and it's bad for the game and all that but I think it is a philosophy so that for that as far as the steroids go here's where I'll disagree with you I I get that like they're big boys and they know what they're you know that's hey it's their choice if they want to potentially hurt themselves down the line and all that but it's unfair to the guy who was trying to do it the right way it's unfair to the guy who wants to be on the up and up who's trying who let's say some guy's a let's just take baseball for example and he's he's the he's a fifth starter he's just kind of barely hanging on or he's some middle reliever out of the bullpen who's kind of a 4a guy who's who's bounced up and down between the major you know the triple a and in the in the majors and he gets beat by some guy who's juiced up and he's clean. Like, that's unfair. That's inherently unfair. And I think that's where at least I had the issue as far as that goes. I'm with you. Like, hey, if they want to do that to themselves, should we police them against them against themselves a little bit? Probably. But that's their choice. But I think that's where it's unfair to the guy who's doing it clean or trying to. Yeah, I mean, I can see that point, I guess. I don't know. I just see it as, like, other things in life where sometimes people have an advantage and I could maybe – like they might do something unethical or something that gives them an advantage in business. And I might decide, Hey, it's not worth it to me to take that unethical risk. And um, I'll take that disadvantage, but I get that to some degree it, it creates a lack of fairness and things like that. I, but I, I guess I can at least say if we're going to call that cheating, that wouldn't, that wouldn't like offend me if I found out that was happening sort of thing. Um, yeah. So I guess you're, but, I mean, like I, if I, with what you said, you obviously wouldn't have an issue if it was your team. Uh, that, that was no, caught up in this exactly. Astro scandal. Okay. But like, if if the Eagles Super Bowl, if it winds up coming out, if it wound up coming out that we were filming the Patriots and we had like like things in the state, we couldn't have a Super Bowl. But you get my point. Yeah. Like, had things like listening to them and stuff like that. That I I would feel some sort of way. Like, it would feel less than to me. I wouldn't have that same like, oh my gosh, we finally did it. It was a miracle, and we pulled it off with a second string quarterback, and you know this heroic play and all these different things. Like, I wouldn't have that same like positive energy i mean i guess right. i'd still be glad we won the super bowl but i it, it would affect me in a negative way whereas if it came out that i don't know um one of the players was doing steroids or whatever that i guess it's just different for me i guess it depends on the what so I like what the astros did if oh wait did that that would definitely be like well whatever that's not the same thing um and maybe in that sense i'm like you know i'm in my late 30s like old school but um that would be different to me than if it came out that you know, our pitcher was on steroids or something like that. I understand so it's just a different. On. Yeah. No, yeah. I got you. Kevin, good, good points, man. Good dialogue. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, going. Thanks yep. man. Um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, and again, I'm, I'll tell I'll reiterate what I said to Kevin. Um, I, I, I don't feel like I'm on some moral high ground when I say, and I know there are a lot of people that don't care that, that say, Hey, put bonds in, Put Clemens in, put put any of these guys in, McGuire, whatever. You know, take your pick. And and they said they belong. And I think they may get in at some point because I think as time goes on, the younger generation of writers, I think, 
does not look as harshly at the PED era in part because it's what they grew up on as some of the older school writers, right? Now, we're getting into kind of different areas here when it comes to PEDs and what the Astros did. But I, I'm just saying, you know, in terms of the, the cheating aspect of it. Uh, and I, I, But I do think it is inherently unfair to a guy who's out there clean trying to compete against somebody who's doing that kind of stuff. So I think that part of it is where I have an issue and where Kevin and I differ. Um, but as far as what the Astros did, I, I do think there's a line. I, 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 like I said earlier, whether that's a, a, a pitcher tipping their pitches, just like an offensive lineman could tip. Like Andre Dillard was playing right tackle. He's not used to playing right tackle. And he was tipping things, whether it was a pass play or a run play. And the opposition took advantage of that. You know, if you're so blatant with your signs or so obvious or too lazy to change things up or whatever, and the opposition just by their eyeballs can pick it up on second base or one of your you know, your first base coach or your third base coach or somebody in the opposing dugout picks it up. That truly, to me, is gamesmanship. Like, that's part of it. Like, you got to be smarter than that if you're the other team that's allowing that to be picked up on. That's not the same as using cameras and potentially using buzzers and using trash cans and some of the stuff that went on here, which I don't believe only went on for one season, by the way. I don't buy that one bit, and the Astros can tell themselves that and can tell the public that all they want. I don't think that's true. So, you know, I, I do think there's a line to be drawn. I, I, if it's an old-school belief that you don't want teams cheating, I guess then count me in, in as old-school. But I will say this. I think when it's your team, you look at things differently. I don't think there's – I don't want to speak for everyone, but I, I think there is a, a very minuscule percentage – of, say, Eagles fans, if they found out the 17 team was cheating in some fashion, they would want they'd want to give that Super Bowl back. They wouldn't look at that first Super Bowl championship in the history of the organization. They wouldn't look at it differently. They would treasure it just as much as they treasure it now. And they would just say, hey, do what you got to do. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. They would justify it. But when it's another team, you feel a different way. The outrage over the Patriots, Spygate, as it concerned the Eagles in Super Bowl 39. You know, and other teams as it went forward. There are people that still talk about the Eagles getting jobbed in that Super Bowl because the Patriots cheated, right? That's my point. When it's the other team that's up to it, then there's moral high ground when they're when it's your team, and I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of Astros fans out there that have zero issue with this and say, "Look, everybody cheats to an extent in baseball. You go you go to lengths to justify it when it's your team, and if anybody feels differently, I'd love to hear it." Let's go to Rick in Lancaster. Rick, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you, Rick. What's going on? Okay. Uh... No, you're going on about that later on when life goes on and stuff, and these guys are going to forget about these guys taking these pills to cheat on their numbers and all this, right? Uh, what about P. Rose? I mean, you're going on now. There's gambling everywhere. 
you know, and, and these other guys taking these pills, they cheated all of baseball and all. All Pete Rose did was cheat himself. Uh, yes, know, and, I, no, no, that was, but yes and no. Pete Rose didn't just cheat himself. I mean, even if he bet on the Reds, that you're compromising the game. You understand that, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, well, like, well, how, okay. hold on. How, he, well, says he, he says he never changed the outlook no, of the game. No, 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 well, no, no. Whether he Rick, did or he did, Rick, did, Rick, you Rick, know. Rick, Rick, Rick. Hang on. Let's just say even if he's betting on the Reds, right? And he's got a guy out of his bullpen that he's used four straight games who's exhausted, whose arms falling off. And you're you're in about you're in about your hundred twentieth game. You got forty two games to go and potential of the postseason. Pete bet that game. Pete rolls that guy out there again because he wants to win that game. He's not looking out what's best for the team. He's looking out what's best for t- for Pete. So he's not just hurting okay, Pete yeah. even if he bet for his team. You understand that, right? I understand that you dug for a good scenario. Yeah, though, I didn't really you? dig. It's, it's, <laughs> I didn't really dig. But Rick, honestly, and I'm look. I Pete Rose no, was. No, I, I hear but, you. But no, but listen, to what, what I'm I mean, saying. It, I, I Pete Rose was my favorite player growing up. Favorite player. Okay, I loved him. But there, there's only so much that you can justify with Pete. There's just he's his own worst enemy in a lot of ways. That's what I mean. That's why. That's why I said. I mean, he really hurt himself more than anything. Sure. But these other guys taking these pills. I mean, look. The way it looks, almost anybody can take them pills and cheat baseball, like them other guys did, because apparently they they really got something to them. I, know, let me put it to you this get, way: you know, I, I don't think they're doing it, Rick, if it doesn't help them. You know what I mean? So anybody who says, "Oh, it's not that big a deal," well, why are you going to those lengths to do it if if it's not oh, that I big a deal? It is a big deal to me. Yep. <laughs> You know, I haven't seen anybody hit 70 home runs since then. No, that's for do, do, sure. it was a coincidence that during that. And you'll never see that, it again. Right. Do, do you, and I don't mean you. I'm speaking hypothetically. It wasn't a coincidence that during that run we saw someone hit back-to-back 60 home run seasons in Sosa, that Bonds hit 73. <laughs> you think all of a sudden uh, Brady Anderson, who was a career you know, leadoff hitter, skinny guy, hit 50-something? No, none of that stuff. Yeah, for Baltimore that exactly. year. Yeah. yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that one too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I do. Yep. I do. Yeah, yep. I, I hear you, Rick. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. All right. You All got right. it. Thanks. Yeah, I, I don't. Again, I'm not trying to do like the holier than now thing. Uh, I'm just. It's the truth. You look at that era, the way the numbers went up. It's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence there were more home runs hit last year. You know why? Not because of steroids. Because that ball was jacked up. You know, baseball and Rob Manfred can can play dumb all he wants. Major League Baseball owns Louisville Slugger. They own the, the company that, that uh, makes those balls. So they know exactly what's going on. Let's go to D in Fort Washington. D, you're on 94 hey, VIP. Rob. Yo, D. Hey, Rob. Enjoy your show. How are you, man? Good. I think everybody, as far as the pills and enhancing drugs, see, back then with the Phillies, you might have three or four guys on every team that was doing that. So then if you won the championship, you could be okay with it. But a real sports fan is not going to feel real good if they were going to the lengths that the Astros went and your team won. You're not going to feel good about that. Right. Now the, so in other words, you're saying because a lot of folks were were juiced up during that time period, it, almost, it was almost a level playing it kind, field. It kind of battles itself out. But because well, of what I the Astros is, are doing, is, is it a, a whole different level we've never seen as far as yeah. the yeah, – I got you. And and the way the world is now, we're talking about putting people in Mars, and you got iPhone seventy fives, and baseball is still doing signals by wiggling fingers. <laughs> Are you serious? 
Like that, that's what you're still doing. Uh, yeah, well, it's 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 fingers and it's different signs. You know, you you see the third base coach what they go through, tugging at the rear, you know, wiping I mean, their chest. You know, you know how it is. You can have five guys in the dugout and they're all doing some monkey signs and 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 call it like that. Like you, it, it's just so antiquated and old and dumb. The way they're doing things, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. The hear Astros you. are a disgrace. That is a disgrace. And uh, pretty much all I have to say about it, Rob. All right. Keep, it, keep up the good work. Thanks, D. Appreciate it, man. All, all right. Always good talking to you. Yeah. I, does it seem a little old school, antiquated that we're we're wiggling figures? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe it does. But, you know, with, with the way technology is now and the things that we're able to do with drones and cameras and, and a lot of the other stuff that we see, I, I mean, this is a different deal what Houston was doing as opposed to some guy standing at second base picking up on something or a first base coach, you know, picking up on if a pitcher is going home or he's coming over. That's just – it is different. And I think more steps need to need to be put in place, certainly going forward, to protect against this. I don't know if baseball's done quite enough. You know, I know Andy McPhail brought it up when he met with the media in, in praising Mike Fra- Mike Fires and some of the things that he had to say and basically saying, like, I wouldn't have any issue if we shut down the video room, you know, prior to the first pitch until the final pitch. And maybe that's not the worst idea in the world, even though, you know, hitter some hitters were legitimately using it to try to get better looking at their at-bats and whatnot. But I'm sure there was other things picked up. And maybe that's something that needs to take place. But there, there is no way that you justify the lengths that Houston was going to potentially. I, first of all, I don't believe Altuve for one second that he didn't want to show a tattoo off or that his wife didn't want his shirt getting ripped off or any of that. I do think that they had buzzers under their uniforms, despite what Major League Baseball found. I think baseball did the investigation, and then they want this investigation to stop at some point because they have to move on with their season. So I think there's a lot more going on, you know, a lot more than we're seeing, for sure. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. Tim, Randy, you guys will be first up. A lot of folks want to talk about this Astros thing, and I cannot believe the way the organization has handled it the last couple of days either. Just an absolute embarrassment to them and baseball. What's not an embarrassment? John Johnson's updates. He's got one for you. We'll be right back. I'm Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 721. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. And I'm John Johnson. Through 55 games, the 76ers have fallen short of expectations, and Joel Embiid has played his part in it, seemingly checking out at times, commenting how he's trying to, quote, fit in, most recently taking a lot of heat for shushing the crowd, followed by a controversial Instagram post. At Media Day at All-Star Festivities in Chicago, Embiid addressed the heat he's been taking. The whole season, I... You know, I've been quiet. Before, I was on social media acting crazy, and people say that it was immature, and I'll stop. And people now, everybody says that, you know, I don't have passion for the game. I don't care about the game. So it's a lose-lose situation. So I just got to be myself. And uh, if it was people the wrong way, uh, so what? I just got to be myself, and, and I think it's going to help me a lot. 
To stream 94 WIP, get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports, go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Seven twenty-six Saturday evening. Welcome back in, everybody. Rob Ellis Show. I got you till 10, 888-729-9494. Pound 9494 in your AT&T and Verizon. Flyers lose 5-3. Made a game of it in the third. Came back. Looked like they were dead in the water. All of a sudden, uh, fought back to within a goal, but ended up losing at 5-3. Uh, Vasilevsky is a hell of a goaltender for the Lightning. Really good. He made some big-time saves today. Look, no disgrace losing that Lightning team. They're 39-15-5. They're really good. Flyers have had an, a, a very good season thus far. 32-20-7 so far on the season. Uh, I believe they're a playoff team. I believe they've taken really good strides under this coach. One thing they need to fix, they got to get better at for sure, like like today, like yesterday, like for the next game, is the way they start games. They do not start. They have very bad first periods. Then they come on really strong. It's been an issue for them all season. It's something they have to get cleaned up. They got to come out of the shoot stronger than they have. You know, right now they're a playoff team, and deservedly so. And I think they could be dangerous in the playoffs. And there have been a lot of revelations this year. Konechny's really turned into a superstar. Sean Couturier does not get nearly enough national love for how good he is. And they have a lot of good young players, including the goaltender. So it's been a good year for them. They do have to start better. Don't dig yourself hole. You can't, especially on the road against that kind of team. I mean, you're just asking for trouble. Digging yourself a, a hole like that against a, a, a team with the firepower of Tampa. They're just that good. So we can mix in some flyers as well, but a lot of folks talking about the uh, the cheating scandal with the Astros. And I think, you know, the whole thing has been inflamed that much more with the way everybody from the owner to the players have handled this thing. You know, I don't think it would have been that hard for the owner to come out and say, look, we made a mistake. We got caught. We're, pr- we're paying the price. We tried to gain an edge. We took it too far. It was a mistake. We're all at fault. I should have known. He claims he didn't know. I don't believe for a second an owner doesn't know something that widespread is going on in his organization. But even if he didn't, shame on him for not doing his due diligence a little bit better with his team. But just fall on the sword and own it. And tell your players, hey, look, meet with the media. Go out there and apologize for what happened. And you do that, I'm not telling you it ends right then and there. It doesn't when it's something to this degree. Like, they're certainly going to continue to catch heat every time they go on the road. And there are too many angry players and organizations for it to just completely go away. But all they did this week in the last two days, last two, three days, whatever, is make it worse on themselves. And with guys continuing daily, like Carlos Correa, to rip other players who have criticized them around the league, it's just dumb. And where's the leadership? Seriously, where is, Dusty Baker's pl- making pleas for them not to hit their players and all this other stuff. 
you know, you got a new manager and new GM in place. The owner needs to talk to the GM and the, and the manager, Dusty, Dusty Baker, and the players himself at this point and say, guys, it's enough. Like, I get how you feel. You may not want to read this kind of stuff or hear this kind of stuff, but we got to take our medicine for right now. And they won't do it. They just want to dig in further. I hope they get lit up every time out. Let's go to Tim in Bear, Delaware. Tim, you're on 94 WIP. Hello, Mr. Ellis. How are you this fine Tim, evening? Tim, how are we doing? Uh, not too terribly bad. I kind of wondered if you wanted to hear something from a Patriots fan. Sure. Um, I don't know. There's, it just On one side of the coin, it seems like an entirely different type of cheating to me. Um, but actually, as a, as a fan of Patriots, it's like when it when it happened, it was sort of like I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. But as most of the uh, you know my relatives up there go, and it's sort of like, yeah, it happened. Suck it up. And that's that's kind of my point. When it's you, I don't mean you, but I, I'm speaking in general terms. When it's your team, it's huh, all right. It's kind of a bummer, but oh, yeah. I'm not giving anything back. I'm not upset. You know, it's we just you, you look at it differently when it's your team. That's just the way it's human nature, I think. Right. The flight gate sort of ticked me off a little a little bit more than because I just thought that just seems so ridiculous. I mean, I go I go out in the in the morning and my indicator on my car says my tires are like twenty eight pounds. I go five miles down the road once they heat up. You know, and the same thing happens. Deflate gate cool to me. Up. Even if even if Brady was taking a little air out of the football, who cares? Deflate gate's nothing. Spy gate to me was mm-hmm. was crossing line. Deflate gate was just meaningless right. nonsense. Yeah, but that. I mean, Parcell sort of explained it in that. Uh, that's just Bill being arrogant. You know, he says, you know, people were doing it. The league sent out a message, knock it off, and Bill chose to ignore it. Right. No, I, and I do. I think that. Um, I think part of. Here's, I think, what happens sometimes, and I think this this was the case when it came to Spygate, the original, prior to Deflategate and all the other stuff. I, I think the, the Patriots got caught, got a slap on the wrist, but it wasn't all that severe. And when, when stuff happens to you, it's kind of like a kid. When you when you give the kid some you know minor little punishment that isn't all that bad, the, the odds are, or at least the, the chances are greater, that they're going to try to push it again. But when you really hammer somebody for something, that's a different story. I think you're right. There's an arrogance to it, but there's also a the, – the, I don't think the ends justified the means initially with it. And, and Bill felt like he was you know, still good to go to be able to do things and push it. Right. So, yeah, I hear you, and, right. I, and I appreciate your point of view. Okay. All right. You got it, Tim. Thanks, man. Have a wonderful night. You got it. You too. Let's go to Randy. Stay in the state of Delaware. What's up, Randy? What's happening, fellas? How you guys doing? How are you? Good, man. I'm doing great. I'm on the way to the hospital to see my wife. She's had open-heart surgery, so give her a shout-out. She's getting better. What's your wife's name? Her name's Heather Day. All right. Let, let, let's all you know, get, give a shout-out to Heather and uh, thoughts and prayers to you guys. I hope she's doing well. I hope she's on the road to recovery, man. So all the best to you. And uh, Thank you, brother. Hope, I appreciate that. She's visit. listening yeah. right now from the hospital bed. Good. Heather, so, feel uh, better. It means a lot to her. You got it. That's <laughs> great. Now, this is my thing, my thought on this this whole uh, this whole cheating scandal. I am against it. I think it's pathetic. You're making all that money. You 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 
achieved your lifelong goal to get to the majors and play ball, something that all of us athletes can only dream of and never got there. But at the end of the day, you still got to swing that bat and hit a hard ball on our fastball. Me as a ball player, I, I, the last thing I want to know is what the pitch was coming. I mean, that, that would have made it harder for me. And, and when I didn't know what was coming, it seemed like I never hit I could never hit it. And these guys, no matter how much they knew what was coming down the plate, they still have to swing that bat and hit the ball. I mean, flat out. And that is one of the hardest things to do in the world. I mean, you're hitting a hard ball on our fastball in, in the major leagues. I mean, you know, it, to me, it's horrible that they cheated. But at the end of the day, I mean, how much did it, did it help them? And that's something we'll never know. Now, if you go back to the steroid era, I think it was Aaron Boone was being uh, interviewed, and he said that A-Rod, had, you remember that year that Aaron Boone hit like 50, 50 home Brett, runs? You talked Brett, yeah, Brett, not, Aaron Boone, Brett Boone. Brett Boone, Boone yeah, Brett, not, not the Yankees manager, but, uh, the former Seattle Mariner, yes. Yeah, yeah, he was talking to, uh, he was talking on an interview, and he said that uh, A-Rod had just came up and hit a screamer uh, up the middle, probably 15 feet off the ground, 50 feet, and they hit the wall, and he he came around first, stand-up double, and Aaron looked at him, and they were talking and joking about, you know, he said, man, you wouldn't have been able to do that a couple of years ago. And then then A-Rod looked at him and said, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to hit 50 home runs a couple of years ago either, huh? And they kind of winked at each other, and it, it was widely known throughout baseball that they were cheating. Mm-hmm. Now, it's the same thing. They still have to swing the bat and hit the ball. If they're going to give them a little extra pop, they got more power in their hits and in their forearms, yeah, they're going to swing. They're going to be stronger. But – still have, I mean, hitting a no, baseball. Randy, you do, I mean, you I do. And I don't, I don't disagree crazy. that you still have to have an, an unbelievable, uh, you, you still have to have great hand-eye coordination and all that. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. But a lot of those doubles, a lot of those balls in the gaps a lot would have turned into home runs. A lot of those balls that would have been caught by the center fielder hit the wall or go into the gaps if you have a little bit of extra there. And, yes, is it a – just because you know what, what pitch is coming doesn't mean you're going to hit it. But you talk to any major leaguer, and if they're up there facing a guy like Araldus Chapman who's throwing 100 miles per hour, and you know – you know, no, but really, if you know he's going to break you off something that's going to be off speed and you know it, that's going to help you you know, a, a tenfold because you're not going to be up there waiting for the heater and just, just grip and rip. He, he's he's going to catch you off with an off speed. You know, there is an yeah, advantage, or else I, these guys I, I wouldn't agree. do it. Yeah, that's the smartest, that's the best thing you said all night. If there was an advantage, they wouldn't do it. I just think, and like you were just saying, I think if they would own up to it, the more they deny it, the more they make themselves look like, and I can use different terms, I'm going to say look like a creep. They look like a bunch of creeps, a bunch of cruds, going around, running their mouth. If you tell me that Jose Altuve didn't have a beeper or a buzzer under his jersey, he would have taken his shirt off and said, look, here it is. He would, he would I mean, if, if he had it, they cheated. And the more they keep being so arrogant about it, you know, they're going to get plunked. Yeah, I mean, Baker to come out begging for his player safety. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's it's like they all (laughs) just need to be quiet right now. Again, I'll I'll say it before I'll say it. I said it before I'll say it again. Just take your medicine right now. Like this is you got to know time and place. And sometimes, even if you feel like you're being wrong, which I don't know how they're justifying that, but if they do feel like, just so what? Just be quiet. That's all. Don't you? The yep, more you talk, the more you're going to tick everybody off in baseball who's already ticked off. Mm-hmm. They they got to own it, Rob. They don't. They don't. Somebody has got to step up in that organization and say, "Time out. Yeah. We own this." And shut your mouth. I hear you, Randy. Let, my call listen, man. All the best. All the best for the wife. You got it, brother. All right, man. Take care. Thank yeah, I, I don't. 
I, I get where he's coming from in that you still have to be able to, to hit the ball. You still have to be able to do this and that. I got it. I, 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 again, it, he's right. But you can't tell me not knowing what's coming is it a giant advantage. It just is. You talk to anybody. I didn't play at the major league level, but you talk to anybody who did, and I have. During the past week, I've reached out to a lot of guys that I've worked with here at the station or at NBC Sports Philadelphia. And to a man, every one of them tells you, you kidding me? If I knew it was coming, what, what, how the odds increase for me to be successful? I mean, think about it. You, how many players are already good on that Astros team? There's a lot, you know, including Altuve, who are really good players, phenomenal hitters already. If you're that talented, and this stuff isn't helping you that much. Why are you doing it? Why are you going to those lengths, right? And think about the circumstance and the scenario with Altuve. He hits the home run. He's coming around. He's home. Why would you care if they rip your jersey off? You have a T-shirt underneath. So what he does is he's not worried about anything else but protecting that chest. He gets in. He crosses the plate almost immediately instead of staying out there and celebrating with his teammates. He runs into the dugout, changes into a you know a, a ALCS shirt, champion shirt, and then comes back out. Is that all a coincidence? I think not. I don't think any of it is coincidental. So I, I don't believe anything that comes out of the Astros' mouths. And there's there's such a high level of arrogance to continue to dig in on this and and, and give these you know, half-assed apologies like they have or or not apologize at all, just meeting with the media basically because you got caught, which was textbook of what Jim Crane was doing. I mean, that's all this has been. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. We'll get an update from John. We'll come back. We'll continue with the Astros talk. Top of the hour, Bob Brookover. We'll ask Bob about the Astros situation, what's being said around Phillies camp. But we'll get a little preview of what Bob thinks the Phillies' chances are in 2020. And if, in fact, is there any chance there's another move made? Is Chris Bryant potentially coming here? We'll talk to Bob about that top of the hour. A little later in the 8 o'clock hour, John Johnson. And then, of course, 9 o'clock, we'll replay the interview with Joe Girardi that Howard Eskin did this morning. I'm Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 740. Sports Radio 94 WIP 2020 Sports. John Johnson, as we count down the days till Philly's full squad workouts, pitchers and catchers continue their own workouts. Now, one concern fans have had under the front office of Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail has been their use or overuse of analytics. As a guest of WIP earlier today, how does manager Joe Girardi view them? Numbers are a black and white issue where the game is played in a gray issue, right? So... So it's it. our job to marry them together to make the best possible decision to help players have success. Some days we're going to be right. Some days we're going to be wrong because there's a human element always involved. To stream 94WIP, get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports, go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94WIP. Rob Ellis Show on this Saturday evening. I'll be back with you tomorrow, by the way, at 10 a.m. with Ray Didinger. Also uh, on the TV side, back with you tomorrow morning at 8.30 for Odds On on CBS 3. May not be any NFL games. We got you for the NHL, for the All-Star Games, some college hoops, including 
Nova and Temple tomorrow at 1 o'clock on North Broad. See if the Owls can pull an upset there. So we'll talk about all those games as well. I did want to get this in, and we'll get right to A.J. and Ambler once we talk about the Astros cheating scandal. But Miles Garrett uh, had his suspension uh, come to an end. He is eligible to report to the Browns to play next year, the whole thing. Uh, he, he did a one-on-one with Mina Kimes from ESPN where he said um, absolutely um, Mason Rudolph dropped the N-bomb when that whole melee went down between the Browns and the Steelers. Mason Rudolph then responded uh, by tweeting out 1,000% false, bold-faced lie. I did not, have not, would not utter a racial slur. This is disgusting and reckless attempt to assassinate my character. And, and it's kind of a he said, she said. The only thing I would say to that is a couple things. And I want to point out first what Rudolph's coach, Mike Tomlin, who was an African-American, had to say. He said, quote, I support Mason Rudolph not only because I know him, but also because I was on the field immediately following the altercation with Miles Garrett and subsequently after the game. I interacted with a lot of people in the Cleveland Browns organizations, players and coaches. See, that part's interesting to me. And he goes on to say, if Mason said what Miles claimed, it would have come out during my many interactions I had with the Bra- people in the Browns organizations. In my conversations, I had a lot of expressions of sorrow for what transpired. I received no indication of any racial slur or anything of that nature in those interactions. You know, and, and when the NFL did their investigation, and there were a lot of you know, African-Americans on the, in, in, involved in that melee and on the field, including uh, Marquise Pouncey, and none of them reported hearing anything uh, of that ilk. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this one. Now, I don't know if Garrett or Rudolph just, you know, not that Rudolph brought it back up, Garrett did, but if they just drop this thing and we'll see, you know, if it moves, it'll just kind of move itself along. But, you know, Garrett's digging in on this, Rudolph's digging in, and you got people kind of taking sides. It's a lose-lose all around. You know, if Rudolph did say it, if Garrett's making this up, it's a lose-lose all around. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this, with this one. If anything further comes out in terms of, you know, some audio that could catch it or anything like that to see. Because generally in this day and age, there's either cameras or mics <laughs> everywhere. That's for sure. Let's go back to the phones. Go to AJ in Ambler. AJ, you're on 94 to BIP. Hey, Rob. What's going on? How are you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Um, yeah, about this Astro thing. Uh, you know, the thing that hacks me off most about the situation is the lack of personal accountability for the players involved. Um, you know, you had uh, penalties for the team and for the the organization, I mean, and, and also the coaches. Um, but the, these are grown men. They they know that what they did is wrong. They know that they're cheating, and they're essentially escaping any sort of meaningful consequence. And if you want to take it back to the steroid thing, um, I don't think those guys should get into the Hall of Fame at all because if they're allowed into the Hall of Fame, they have also escaped any any meaningful consequence. That's the only consequence for left. as it stands. Yeah, if you're not playing anymore, yeah, that's the only one left. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, if you if you want if you seriously think this, you know, this makes you feel sick. And hey, if it was if it was the Phillies, I would feel sick to my stomach. Um, but uh, you know, if that's your, if that's your take on it, and you want to cut down on it, these guys need to be held accountable, whether it's steroids or whether it's the the Astros. Well, but here's or what I, I mean, said, AJ. You know, my stance on the just let's deal with the Astros first. My my stance yeah. was 
ban them from postseason play this year. Force them to go. play the season. Yep. Now, now I get the downside is they're they're going to mail it in. They're not going to give effort, and it, it's you know in that sense mm-hmm. it's unfair to other teams because they'll just beat up on them. Whatever. I don't care. I want to force them to have to go through an entire baseball season with no real <laughs> incentive, honestly. And it may sound like yeah, overly no. punitive, but really, ultimately, what happened to them? They didn't lose their championship. They're able to compete for right. a championship this year. Yeah, they got a fine. They lost some uh, picks in, in the draft. Whatever. Yeah, but that, but that's that's all it's organizational levels. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. They don't care. The, nope. The, the, nope. They the, lost the money they that's made. The, the money they made off of those the, that run in that World Series. Please, five million dollars yeah. pales in comparison. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm I'm with you. I I think it's way too yeah. soft. I I think that, you know, if you really want to incentivize these teams not to do this stuff, you got to bang them where it hurts. They lose their championship. They lose. They have to they have forfeit forfeit the money that they made in terms of player bonuses, organizationally. You know, whatever. Get an estimate yeah. of how much they made. That's what you find them. That kind of stuff. Absolutely. It's it, it, there needs to be. You know, again, there these these guys. Are, this isn't some situation where, you know, it was. It could go either way, or it was a gray area. I mean, they knew exactly what they were doing the yeah. whole time. Premeditated. You know? and it's, and no, it's premeditated. It's it's ongoing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like a one time like hey, you know, this was. This hey, you was, know what else, AJ? You know what else? It wasn't. Plan. It wasn't one or two rogue players doing something. It's not right. like oh, yeah, it wasn't it, bad, a couple right. bad apples. Yeah, it wasn't just oh, that was Joe and John. Yeah. Don't lump us all into that, right. please. Give me a break. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and then the other thing, you know, the other thing that you have, players. real quick, the other thing that you have is yeah. someone like Justin Verlander, who's been all outspoken about everything his entire career, right? From the baseball uh, yeah. being wound too tight, you name it, right? Holier than thou guy, all this other stuff. But when it came to this, he kept his mouth shut the whole time. And now he's saying, well, yeah. look, I can't go back. I wish I could, but I, it's like, okay, dude, like you, you are, you're <laughs> like, you know, the martyr all the time. And you're, you're the guy who's That's always right. speaking up. But when it mattered the most, you kept your mouth shut. So, I, by the way, I don't want to hear from you on any subject going forward because you're a total. No, nah. no, not at all. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. And please, please don't go after. I mean, this is my last point. Please don't go after the guy who who uh, who blew the whistle on this. Like, please, come on. Like, he's the only person with integrity yeah. in this whole situation, as far as I'm concerned. Well, they all want and, and AJ. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. They're yeah. going to they're going to blackball. After his contract's up, as with some people's theory is, they're going to blackball uh, fires. Stop. Stop. Now, I'm also not one who's saying, like, go out there and bean these guys. That's not, I, don't, I don't roll like that. I, I don't want guys' heads being thrown at. I, I don't subscribe to that either. But don't think you're ever going to get any kind of benefit of the doubt going forward as an organization in any way, shape, or form. And nor should you. And, and honestly, like the more they keep this up, like if they keep rolling this way all through spring training up until the regular season, and then they're still fighting back every time they go to an opposing ballpark and are asked about this, all they're doing is making it worse for themselves. And, yes, are there going to be consequences? Are our teams going to throw at them? Yes, they will. I, I'm not calling for it, but I'm telling you that's the reality of it. They will. They absolutely will, for sure. You know, it's it just, to me, the whole thing, and I, I get there are certain people who just say, "Hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying." I, I don't. I'm not one of them. But this thing was way over the line, and to see the way that baseball's reacting, when usually players will kind of cover for each other, but the way that everybody has come out universally against them, 
It, it tells you something. And their schedule, it's going to be very interesting whenever they play, wherever they play. Now, I'm just pulling it up right now to see where they start the season off. And they begin, the Astros do. They're pretty fortunate they begin at home. But you know where they go second series? They go to Oakland, where Mike Fires pitches. So that's where they are on, you believe the season starts March 26th? That, that is absolutely crazy. We're like a month and a half away as we sit here. But, yeah, so they go to Oakland, ironically enough, second series of the season, Monday, March 30th. And, and smartly, that's a nationally televised game. It should be. It absolutely should be. That one's going to be ugly for sure. I'm trying to see if they play the Dodgers because the Dodgers probably, even more than, say, the Yankees, have it pretty outspoken. Now, the, the uh, Phillies play the Astros at Houston July 7th through 9th. So they're, they're in Houston. Houston does not come here. But I'm seeing if they play the Dodgers in interleague play. I would doubt it because the Phillies are the East. But I'm just making sure I'm going through it. Yeah, it doesn't look like they play this year. So that, that would have been pretty interesting with Bellinger and some of the thing, the back and forth that he's had with some of those guys, including uh, Correa. All right, so let's get a timeout. When we come back, we'll check in with Bob Brookover of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, get, get his take on where things are with the Phillies because it's been a very weird offseason. A lot of activity early, including Joe Girardi coming here, including Zach Wheeler, including Didi Gregorius. And then after that, very, very quiet on the Phillies front. And I think in turn, what, what's happened out of that, there, there is a, a real pessimism. Pessimism might be too strong, but I, I think there's a, there's a lack of optimism for sure when it comes to this Phillies team with its fan base, even though on paper they're, I think they're better than they were last year. But the question is, are they good enough, especially in that division? We'll, we'll cover all of that with Bob when we get back. I'm Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 7.56. All right, we're creeping up on 8 o'clock. Welcome back, everybody. Rob Ellis Show. I got you till 10. And we touched on some Philly stuff early in the show. We've done a lot of Sixers since then, a lot about the Astros cheating for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm torn, okay? As someone who loves baseball, and I am a Hope Springs Eternal guy, just seeing pitchers and catchers report, seeing video of those guys working out. It could be as simple as someone having a, you know, playing long toss. I was watching Aaron Nola today throwing a bullpen session. That's really all it takes for me. Like, that's really all it takes for me to get excited about baseball season. And to get up for it, to have a level of optimism about this, about an upcoming season. You know, and, and we certainly have gone into seasons with far less hope, with, with far worse teams, for sure. And you have a Phillies team the last couple of years that has, you know, at least been in it till late in seasons only to collapse and fall apart. Made some changes, bring in Joe Girardi, new staff for the most part, new hitting and pitching coach. 
they go out and sign a legit top-of-the-rotation arm in Zach Wheeler, and they bring in Didi Gregorius, who's had a lot of success, a lot of success under Joe Girardi. All good, all positive, a lot of reason for excitement. And then, you know, real radio silence after that from the organization, which leaves you with a lot of questions, especially considering how good this division is. And we thought, who better to talk to right now from the Philadelphia Inquirer, inquirer.com, He's down in Clearwater as we speak. We are very jealous as it's uh, in, the, in the high 20s, low 30s right now. Bob Brook over from the Inquirer. What's going on, Bob? How are you? Hey, Rob. How's it going? Bob, I'm good. I'm good. I, I don't know if you just heard the setup there, but, you know, as, as someone who loves the game, I'm always optimistic this time of year. It always just it feels good that baseball's starting, right? And the fact that we have games in a week is crazy. It's hard to fathom and game starting March 26th and all that, and that's all positive. And the, and the offseason started off with, with a lot of promise, too. And then it just really went quiet after that. What is your sense, just from being down there, other than you know the usual player and coach speak, like, hey, you know, I feel like we have a chance. Does, do you sense that this team and the people that you talk to feel like this team has a real chance considering how good this division is? I think the team feels like they have have a chance. Um, they know a lot of things got to go right. They know they know need to play a good baseball. They know they're in a brutal division. Um, it's not the best division, and certainly one of the top two in, in baseball. You know, at least it was a year ago. And you know, maybe those those things you mentioned getting Zach Wheeler, Didi Gregorius, maybe the best things that happened for the Phillies were that Josh Donaldson. And Anthony Rendon went elsewhere, but the Nats and Braves are still very good teams. The Braves or the Mets still have good pitching. So I mean, they need a lot of things to go right. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but you got to think that they, you know, that have some chance and to be to be foolish not to have some optimism going into the season. What's your sense? You know, and, and we we've heard from Joe Girardi quite a bit. But what's your sense? I mean, I I think that. What what I take that's really refreshing is he, he seems like a nice blend of old school and new school. He talked today about, you know, how strikeouts do matter. But he's also a guy who, you know, going back to his days with the Yankees, is, is certainly adept at using everything at his disposal in terms of stats and analytics and whatnot. But for people who may not have followed the Yankees as closely, what does Joe Girardi bring to the table and what's his managerial style? The real professionalism to the clubhouse. I mean, what what job in baseball? And the answer is none. I'll give you the answer before I even finish the question. Is more is the line or is the spotlight more focused on the manager uh, than the New York Yankees? I mean, and he dealt with that for ten years. That's a long time in in that market. Um, you know, you say. You can say what you want about the Phillies, and people do love the Phillies. But New York might be the only – and St. Louis, and they don't have a football team anymore. They might be the only markets uh, – New York might be the only market with all four sports that baseball, the Yankees, are still number one uh, in that market. And he had to deal with that for all those years. So there's nothing that's going to go by him, that's going to go past him, that he hasn't seen before. Um, so, you know, that gives you a confidence that, you know, no matter how difficult times get, he will be able to deal with it. 
We're speaking with Bob Brooker over the Philadelphia Inquirer. Bob, let, let's go to the pitching because I think everybody was excited with Wheeler, and you certainly look at coupling him with Nola at the top. But the problem is once you get past that, it, it is an absolute crapshoot. I mean, Arietta claims he's healthy, and when he's had when he had this procedure done before, told everybody how much he bounced back and how well he's pitched. But, you know, even at times when he, he seemed to be healthy during his Phillies, you know, run here for the last two-plus years, he was just mediocre even then. And, you know, now you're coming off yet another injury. Yes, he's in the last year of his deal, and that might incentivize him to be a little bit better or whatever. But what do you expect from him, who I, I would assume will be out of that three-hole? What do you expect from Arietta, and can we know what to expect? He had, he really had four really good months, actually, his first year. If you go back and look at his numbers for the first four months, and then as the team was collapsing, he was collapsing too. And, you know, that was, you know, you can't do that when you're the – you're the guy at that point. He was the guy getting getting all the money because Noel hadn't even got his deal yet, um, and he hasn't been entirely up. I will say this, you know, just watching him play long toss and watch watching him all, the ball is coming out of his hand very well right now. Now, you know, I'm also a proponent of, but uh, the hitters ultimately tell you how you're throwing the baseball. It's it's the most important thing to this team is that. Jake Arrieta gives them the third guy because it's a it's a division where every other team except for the Marlins goes three deep at least three deep. Uh, the, you could argue that the the Nationals go even four deep with the way Sanchez pitched for them last year. Uh, I mean, to me, there's nothing more important than Jake Arrieta being pitching well. Obviously, you need Noel to pitch the way you hope he does, and you know I, I'm. I like the Zach Wheeler signing. You know, they probably overpaid more than than somebody who's got a three seven seven career ERA, but everybody feels like he has an upside because his his strikeouts to innings has always been good, and he's always and obviously throws the ball hard and has a, an array of pitches. But I think the Phillies are going in thinking we got Nolan Wheeler. If if Arietta's right, we really have something special, and then and then you hope somebody else comes in at four and five, you know, and we'll see whether that happens or not. Well, and, and uh, so that leads us to, I'm personally, I'm fine with, with Eflin. Um, I I think he's either one, if he's four or five in that role, I I think he'll be okay. Um, And obviously conditioning's kind of been an issue in in years past, but you know, he seems to be at least healthy at this point. I'm, I'm fine there. The big question is, I can't believe we're still talking about Velasquez or Pavetta for one of those positions. What's your stance on the fact that we're even having that discussion, and who do you think it'll be, and what do you think we'll get out of those guys? I mean, I wrote this shortly after the winter meetings because it was pretty apparent then that, you know, that Zach Wheeler and Didi Gregorius were going to be the big moves for this team this offseason. And I felt like they could have done done more at getting some people for those four and five spots. And I felt like they could have even done more to, to bolster their bullpen than they did. Um, but here we are, you know, Eflin's going to slot into four, you know, Spencer Howard's obviously an important part of their future. And they, you know, the, the, the way it sounds is that it's, he's going to be an important part of their future before the season is over. Uh, he came up with a little bit of a, uh, soreness that has kept him from throwing the ball that they revealed today. Um, but the, you know, to start this season, you're counting on either Velasquez or Pavetta to be in that rotation. I, 
I think they're more inclined to go with Pavetta here. Um, we know he has great stuff. We've seen great stuff. We just don't know. We've never seen him to be able to do it consistently. If he can, if he can, and the other three guys are right, then you might have something really special. But you know, we're ifs, and spring training is often about ifs. So, Bob, do you view it as they're just kind of biding time with whichever one it is that ends up? I'm talking about either Velasquez or Pavetta till Howard gets up here. Uh, is, is it is it viewed that way, or is there a real belief here that one of those two can finally figure it out? Well, I think there's that belief, and you know, there's also the belief, which is it's not really a belief; it's just fact that you don't go through a season with five starters. Um, you, you usually need at least eight, and sometimes twelve. Um, so, you know, the, these people are all going to have to, at some point, you know, Ranger Suarez is a guy they've, you know, mentioned too as a possible starter at some point when, when they were asked about a lefty the other day, well, maybe Ranger Suarez could be that guy, maybe Cole Irvin. Um, but you know, it's just unrealistic to think that everybody's going to be healthy and it's all going to be great. So, you know, all these people are, all these guys are going to get a chance, even if, Pavetta gets the first chance. Velasquez, the decent, you know, decent chance that he's going to get an opportunity at some point to prove he's a starter again. Just be, and that's just because it's the nature of the beast. Um, and we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, Bob. It was interesting when Matt Klintak met with the uh, the assembled media a couple of days ago. He said, "Look, there wasn't a line drawn in the sand regarding luxury tax. This there's." You know, we're going to do what we think is right for this ball club. If something arises that that may put us over, but we think it's a great deal for us, great. Are you buying it? No, I think there was a line drawn in the sand. Uh, I don't know why, because I don't think it was wise, because I just, you know, I just thought there were more good, especially starting pitchers on the market that, you know, go get one, go get one of them, because you – you never have enough. You know, the point I'm, I think is kind of making there is you just never have enough. So why not when it's a, when it's a market with so much uh, good starting pitching as this one was, why not take the opportunity now? You know, Because I think they're going to end up going over luxury tax anyway if they're good. You know, if they're in this thing in July, I think they're going to end up. But now you're, you're not just spending it on – you're not just spending money to add these players – you're also spending players to add these players, and you know, so you're you've up to up to charge by doing it that way. Um, but for some reason, they did not want to go over the luxury tax right now. Um, I, I, and I, I'm guessing that it's because they didn't feel like enough, there was enough of an upgrade with these other with these other pitchers. I just disagree with that with that notion. So if form holds, if we're, and I, I believe, I'm on the same page as you are, but let's just say, which I don't, I don't know if they even have what it takes to be able to pull this off, but if it, it, you know, it became a situation where Chris Bryant forces his way out and says, look, I want out, I'm done, I want out of Chicago, uh, Chicago. you think they would legitimately be in on him, or do you think that considering what he's making now while he's still under control and what he's going to make after that would make that prohibitive? He's a, he's a fascinating one because – He's he's really got one position player prospect that everybody talks about, and he plays the same position as Chris Bryant. Right. Um, and I think in their perfect world, they want to see what Alex Bohm is before, uh, because you, you of course you'd much rather have the 
the controllable player for the next five years, six years, than have to go spend money and players to 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 get Chris Bryant. On that, on the other hand, Chris Bryant's a special talent, and if you want to win right now, um, you know, so we got you got to see what that becomes. And if Chris Bryant's going to be a free agent in two years, uh, you know, we'll see how Scott Kingery plays the third to start the season. You know, I don't think we're I don't think we're going to see Chris Bryant here before this season starts. And I don't think I don't think Chris Bryant's going anywhere at the start of the season, to be honest. So you look at where they are right now, and you mentioned the Braves. Yes, they lost Donaldson. You mentioned the Nats. Yes, they lost uh, Rendon. But still, I thought the Braves did a great job early in free agency, adding to their bullpen. They bring in Hamels. I know he's a little bit banged up right now, but we'll see him at some point. Um, you, you look at the the Nats and still a loaded pitching staff and a lot of good young players. Mets, you know, are in every conversation here too. Where do you feel, at least on paper right now, where do you think the Phillies match up or rank with those guys? You know, if I'm if I'm pretty, I mean, the, the Pakoda predictions came out this week, and they had them fourth at like slotted. I think what was it, seventy seven wins or yeah, I, that, that was that's what it was. Seven, yeah, it was seventy seven. Yeah, seventy. Right. Um, you know, I think they're better than a seventy seven win team, but I also on paper right now, I think the other three teams or the three the other three teams are better than them right now. Uh, they and they have to they have to prove otherwise. You know, they need. You know they need all the stuff we just talked about with pitching to go right. Uh, they need the bullpen acquisitions they made. You know they're trying to to piece that together with quantity. You know with some veteran guys um, they're, that they're can't. You know they're hoping to have something left in the tank and can still help them. And then you need like a Scott Kingery to be a, a, a better player. He, he played well for the first four months of last season. Kind of faded a little bit toward the end. But you need him to get better and, and be a real player. You need Gene Sicorda, I think, to be better than he was last year, be the guy who can lead the, the league in hits. Uh, you need D.D. to be healthy and, and play well. You need Reese Hoskins to come back. There's, a, there's just a lot of ifs surrounding this team right now. Yeah, there are. There are a lot. Let, let me ask you a scenario. Let, let's say things go well and, and Baum's crushing it in, in AAA, and once he gets up, you know, whenever that is. Kingery goes to center. Let let even if let's say all these things are great signs for the Phillies. Let's say Hazley's playing well. What what happens with Kingery at that point? Um, you know, I I think the Phillies would love to trade Gene Segura anyway. Um, although he's a tough trade because he's got some years left on his and and money left on his contract. He's got the exact numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the you know, I think that's what they would love to do. I think they would love to get Scott Kingery to second base at some point, uh, and and have Alec Bohm play as your third baseman. Now you're now you're becoming a very young team, um, and I think they're really hoping that Hazley, you know, the combination of Hazley and maybe Roman Quinn too, can really hold down center field for them. And now you got a pretty good, you know, you've got a, you've got two good corner outfielders. You know that we know that mm-hmm. for sure, no doubt. All right, Bob. So so last one for me. Um, you know, the, the story that's dominated baseball has been the Astros cheating scandal, and I'm trying to remember even when you know the Patriots and Spygate came out, and and we've seen this kind of stuff maybe, you know, in other sports to an extent, maybe not to this degree, but to an extent. I I don't remember other players and other teams coming out as strongly. 
as a lot of these teams. I, I mean, you know, Bauer goes nuts again. Uh, Bellinger has just been nonstop. And, and I get that everything has been accelerated by the, the horrifically way the, the Astros have handled it, including the owner. But w- what is your sense from being down there and just, you know, talking to the players, talking to front office people and, and people around baseball for, for just the where this thing is with the outrage and everything else? You know, I, I think a big part of it is the optics are so bad. You know, it, it's, it's you know, the, the Patriots dealt with the flake gate, right? And they dealt with the spy and spy gate. But none of that was on video. You know, at the Astros, it's on. All you need is YouTube. I think we all got YouTube. Right. And you can call up a video and you can see and you can hear the pounding of the trash can. And you can then go to the video of uh, Jose uh, Altuve going around the bases and telling his teammates, "No, no, no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm wired," you know. And I think that the, it's it's the same with everything. When you got when you have video of it, it just enrages people even more because they can just it's right in front of their eyes. Yeah, look, there there is no doubt, and it's going to be. I, I just I'm shocked. At the way Crane came out, I'm shocked by today. Correa, who was, I thought, pretty sincere in his apology, now is fighting back against Bellinger. It's like, who's advising these guys? Well, uh, I, I, I'm sure you saw my conversation with Larry Boa. Yeah, Larry he Boa said the, uh, yeah, they he, should he, be drilled, he, yeah. He has the most fascinating, you know, he's, he, and, and he, he makes a really great point that, while all this is going on, why didn't somebody drill him then? He said, don't drill him in the head, but drill him in the ribs mm-hmm. and, and just say, you know what? We hear that stuff. Because guys did hear it banging. You know, the, the A's complained about it in 2018. Um, you know, hit him in the ribs and say, as soon as, you st- as soon as I stop hearing that banging, I'll stop hitting you in the ribs. But until then, you know, let's go. That's, that's it. That's enough. So... So it wasn't like people didn't know this was going on. Right. Yeah. No, look, it's going to be fascinating for sure. I mean, you have Dusty begging for to, to for Major League Baseball to protect his guys, Correa defending it. It's it seems like every day there's just a new twist with this thing and they don't they don't help themselves. That's for it's sure. It's going to be fascinating when it gets started. Yeah, no it doubt. It really is. Bob, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking a couple minutes tonight. Enjoy the rest of your uh, how how much longer are you down there? Are you down there for the the, the duration? I, I'm down for another I'm down for another week beyond this one next till next Monday and then coming back in the middle of March and okay. taking March, going over to the other coast for the start of the season. Before we get you so. out of there, I, I always like to help the people out who haven't been down there. Give us your favorite place, <laughs> favorite place to eat in the Clearwater, you know, Tampa-ish area. <sighs> well, there's a, there's a place, if you really like pizza, and I know you, you, you probably get more like seafood, there's a place called Paul's Pizza on Route 19, mm-hmm. uh, not, not too far from the ballpark. Okay. Uh, I guess it, I guess it's off of McMullen Blue Throw, but they've got real. It's Chicago style pizza, and it's really, really good. That's good. It's a little different. I like that. I thought you were going to go seafood or steak on me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a, I, I like pizza a lot, and that's a great place. All right. Good choice, Bob. We appreciate it, man. Always fun talking to you. Thanks. Oh, see you, Bob. All right, you got it. That is Bob Brook over from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Inquirer.com. Yeah, he has a great. If you get a chance, then you can follow um, Bob. He's also a, a, a good follow. I mean, you, you want like just quality. Baseball man, that, that's Bob Brookover. But if you get a chance, check him out on Twitter, his uh, Twitter handle, and you can follow him at Brook 
B-R-O-O-K-O-B. B-R-O-O-K-O-B. That's Bob Brookover. But he's got a fascinating piece with Larry Boa talking about how the Astros, this is so old school Boa, but how the Astros players should be drilled for everything that's gone down. So you got to check that out. All right, let's get a timeout. We'll come back. We'll swing it back to the Sixers here because we will, after he gives us his update, we'll talk to John Johnson. We'll talk a little Sixers with him when we get back. I am Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 820. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. I'm John Johnson. One of the bigger frustrations of the Gabe Kapler era of Phillies baseball was his philosophy at the plate and seeming non-issue with players repeatedly striking out. Well, as a guest of Howard Eskin earlier today, Joe Girardi sees things much differently. Strikeouts do matter. And and, and, and to just just say that, I mean, there are certain guys, there are certain at-bats that a strikeout's not going to matter, right? And outs and out. But there are a lot at bats that we need you to put the ball in play. To stream 94 WIP, get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports, go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Are we good? It's weird, man, because I'm hitting the on button, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And what also I've what I've also noticed about our new uh, studio, by the way, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rob Ellis with our new studio. <laughs> Get shocked a lot. I don't know what that is. Whether it's hitting the on button here to come back on the air, or when I walk over to the door to e- to en- exit the studio, I get shocked. And then the weirdest thing was the other day, and I use I don't use the headphones that most of our hosts use. I use little earbuds. I put the earbuds in the other day. And I got shocked in my ears. I've never had that in my life. A little but s- static zap in boy, the ear, in the earlobe there? If you want to kick off a Saturday night, <laughs> shock your ears for a minute. That's a great way to get going. It's not really a spot to get zapped in, huh? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's a good shot, a good area to get zapped in, but your ears are certainly not. John Johnson, we, he's such a hustler, man. So he's in there. He does the update. He goes and feeds the meter. And now he's back. It is bitter outside, by the way. Today is not fun. Like, we've been pretty spoiled this winter, let's be honest. Yeah, until now. Today, Tonight's cold. It's going to be a little bit nicer tomorrow. But I know, you know, you got a lot going on, so I don't want to tie you up, you know, real long. But I know you've been listening to some of the stuff that's coming back from the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we touched on this earlier, but I want to kind of just drill in a little bit deeper. So Joel Embiid and Ben are both kind of taking the stance, like, nothing to see here. Keep moving. We're fine. Don't sweat it. It's all good. And. Yes, things haven't been perfect, and when that happens, people tend to speculate, et cetera. Okay, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You're hearing that. You got your reporter intuition. You're down there all the time. You did see that when they finally made the move to put Horford on the bench as well, that things looked a little bit better, mind you. Okay, it was a very short sample size compared to the entire season. But judging what they're saying – Versus what's real? What's your sense? Hey, well, I, you know, the whole nothing to see here is is please give me a break. There's a lot to see here. There's a lot of issues going on. I mean, they're you know they're the fifth seed in the East. Mm-hmm. You know they're 13 games above 500. We projected them to be the two or one seed. You know, there's 27 games to go. They've disappointed in every way possible based on expectations and based on and not only do we have our own expectations, they backed it up both mm-hmm. player and coach saying they were going for the one seed and for 60 wins. So from that standpoint, they've uh, massively underachieved. And, and then you get to the 
two most important players to the franchise who you were expecting growth from. And, and while I'll start with Ben, although I will say he uh, defensively, he has grown even further. He is one of the best defensive players in the entire NBA. He can cover all five positions. He's an amazing defender. Having said that, offensively, although he can look great at night and he's starting to, to show growth in terms of going to the free throw line more often, his game is that of a regular season player. Mm -hmm. And once you hit the playoffs and you are faced, uh, you're facing a team a minimum of four consecutive games, everything changes. You know, the half-court game becomes paramount. And what we know of Ben in the half-court game is, well, non-existent. It doesn't happen, and it all goes back to his unwillingness to shoot the ball. You can talk about all the great things he does, but guess what? His unwillingness holds this team back when it matters most. Nobody cares about 82 games anymore. It, it matters in terms of getting enough wins to have home court advantage, but it's really the buildup for the real season, which is the playoffs, to get 16 more wins. With Embiid, he has, um, boy, underwhelmed and frustrated through all – 50, uh, 49 games, or however many he's played of the 55. Yeah. You know, from his uh, bouts of, uh, or I shouldn't say bouts, his fits, his, his tantrums mm -hmm. that he throws on the court when the ball's not running through him and he gets aggravated and then in turn checks out both offensively and defensively to the whole, you know, how dare you boo me. This is what happens when you have, uh, you're, such a, you're such a star on this team and in the NBA, the people who are around you uh, away from the basketball court are all yes people. Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't listen to them. You're the greatest, Joel. And, and it doesn't mean that's in a bad way, but these are the people he's around most of the time. These are the people whose opinions matter the most to him. And because of that, your, your judgment gets clouded because you're used to all these people saying this and you hear people criticizing. And you think they're just being haters. Right. They don't know what they're talking right. about. And uh, this is one of the Joel's problems. And it all, it's that combined with lack of professional maturity. You know, you can talk a great game, but then it's all, it becomes all talk when you don't back it up and getting yourself in the right physical shape. It becomes all talk when you say, I'm going to do better. And then you, you know, put these half-assed performances together. So the expectations for him are higher in the fan, in the fan base's eyes, and they should be. He's your most important player. So when he underperforms, or should I say, in the game where he was booed in particular, it, it wasn't missing shots that causes the fans to boo. It's two and a half quarters where you're dragging your legs up and down the court, play very little defense, and it's plain for all to see that you don't care. Mm -hmm. And you deserve to be booed. And for those loonies who are saying, oh, how dare they boo him? You shouldn't boo him. Support him. Shut up. Looney. Spend a dime to see this team show up to a game, spend your money, then you can decide what you want to do. Yeah. The only opinions who matter are the 20,000 people who fork out a lot of money for one game to see them. And if they w they're watching him giving a half-assed effort, they de he deserves to be booed. They yeah. can boo all they want. Yeah, I didn't I didn't quite like I thought both sides went into maniac mode. Like the the people who wanted him trade it, it's like please stop. Right. And then it was how do you get angry at that? So what? Oh, you're okay with him telling you to shut the bleep up? Like, I, I didn't get either side of this thing, well, honestly. Uh, and uh, this all comes to a lot of fair-weather fans and, quite frankly, a lot of morons. It's yeah. really what it is. It's the everybody has to pick a side, and whatever side they pick, they have to have a strong stance no matter what and go to extremes. No, no, no. 
You do not trade either Simmons or Embiid. That is lunacy. You yeah. absolutely do not until you exhaust every other possible option from head coach to other players on the roster. And if all else fails down the road, then you decide to do something like that. Because if you trade either of these, your odds, especially Embiid, forget about the NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. They trade Embiid, your chances of the Finals are done because that you can't put enough pieces around Ben Simmons based on the, what you have available to make that work. You need both of them to get to the NBA Finals and potentially win a championship. But then it goes to Elton Brand for poorly putting together the roster around them. Okay, big question for you here is we saw them finally, finally do it right before the All-Star break. Horford goes to the bench. He's not thrilled about it, but he's he, a pro. He's a pro. He's, he's First gonna, time since his rookie season he's yeah, come off I'm the bench. Yeah, I'm sure he's not thrilled. Will Brett have the conviction to stay with it? I think you will see Al return to the starting lineup occasionally. But I think he will stick with it for a while. Um, see, this is where it gets tough because you, you you hear different things. When you pay Al Horford the amount of money they are, you better believe the front office and ownership are going to say, you better put this guy in the starting lineup. Right. I'm not paying 20-some million dollars for a guy to be a bench player. Mm -hmm. um, and in the same breath, you know, Brett has a say in all these transactions. He has a lot of say, a lot more than people are giving him credit for. So Brett Brown's well aware of what's going on here. But it comes to a point, and Rob, I'm sure you said something 25 games ago. Al Horford and Joel Embiid can't be on the floor together. And you're waiting for that moment where you have to stagger their minutes more. And it finally happened to a significant – I mean, they played together through stretches of this Clippers game. Right. But you, you can't uh, – the opponent will matter, whether they go small ball or whatever. But I, I, I would prefer, and I, I, I think Brett's going to do more of it than not, uh, to have Al come off the bench. It's, it's, it's much better for the team. How you just mentioned it, and I think he sort of escapes heat because maybe he's a nice guy and he hasn't been here all that long, but it's one thing for you and I to think Horford might be a fit and this may be able to work before the season starts. It's another thing for the GM to, to miss this. Mm -hmm. and, and for that money and, he's and that a, many years. Yeah, and he's made a lot of mistakes, and he, and he bid against himself to give Harris that kind of money. Why should I have faith in Elton Brand leading this club going forward? Oh, you shouldn't. He has to earn your trust back. Do you have every right to criticize? I mean, as you're mentioning, Tobias Harris. I remember when they signed him. I, I My goodness, Elton was mad at me because mm -hmm. the first thing I said is, my goodness, that is an insane contract for a guy who's proven nothing. Yeah. And the argument was, well, that's the going rate for that. And then you don't pay it. Yeah. Then you say, see you later, Tobias. You're a great out. guy. Yep. You're a professional. But you're now, we're now you know, hamstrung by these two mm -hmm. contracts in particular. And th when they signed Al, as much as I, I like the thought of, well, great, they can, you know, Joel's going to miss some games, and when he goes to the bench, they won't be a massive defensive liability. My first thought was, well, who's shooting the ball? Yeah, when you, when especially you, considering Reddick's gone. <laughs> right. When you let Reddick walk, mm -hmm. you know, uh, who was signed comparatively significantly less than these other two guys signed. And this is continuing to hamper them. Thank goodness uh, the guy who they, has saved oh my them, God. He let, they left I never thought we'd dead. be sitting here saying those words. I remember last March, myself and Jack McCaffrey were at Furkan Korkmaz's locker when we found out they weren't going to pick up his rookie option. And, and the first thing he said is, I thought I didn't think I got enough playing time to prove what I could do. 
and they left him for dead. Yeah. And thank goodness nobody picked him up because he saved their rears yeah. multiple times this season. He's now a starter. He's a starter. <laughs> I, I wouldn't keep him a starter, but well, my goodness, yeah, he, he, he's your only perimeter threat. I, I'm not saying he's Redick, but he can at least play that role where he can stretch you a little bit. When he gets hot, you ride him. Give yeah. you better spacing at least than what we previously saw. I, I right. mean, it's, When you have Joel at, at the top of the key, that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, at that's least what he's supposed to do. I, Brett made some adjustments to have them sort of run that, that lower post, which I thought worked against the Clippers, but, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to see going It's forward. one game. Uh, right. We, we, we get so, you know, we're – there's the whole oh everything's gonna be fine relax they yeah. beat the Clippers listen it's only one game let me I I will have confidence back when they string together three to four consecutive road wins I then I'll feel better I hear you John we appreciate it brother back to the updates for John Johnson and yeah I mean look I look at what they have coming up the the remainder of their schedule right now keep in mind home record twenty five and two road record nine and nineteen. So if you look at it, and I'm not going to play win-loss with you here. I'm not taking it that far. But I think for the most part, it's a pretty favorable schedule, especially if you look at the, the, you know, the home games and whatnot. So, you know, what they have coming up in the second half, home Brooklyn, that's good. Now, the tough road games, go to Milwaukee. We know how that ended in Milwaukee the last time. They were, they were lying in wait for the Sixers after that Christmas Day game. Go to the Clippers, go to the Lakers. They get those out of the way relatively early. I mean, February 22nd is Milwaukee, and then March 3rd and 5th, excuse me, 1st and 3rd, respectively, are the, uh, are the Clippers and the Lakers. You get those out of there relatively quickly. And then beyond that, it is not that bad, really, on the road. I mean, you're talking about Sacramento, Golden State, Charlotte, Minnesota, Chicago, Washington, San Antonio, an improved New Orleans team. Memphis. That's what they have the rest of the way on the road. They should be able to improve that road record. But I agree with John. Look, it's easy to say after you play a real good game at home against the Clippers when they were on a road trip, a third game, five nights, whatever, all that stuff. Yes, that's easy to say. But I think there is a lot of talent on this team. I'm of the belief that I shouldn't say I'm of the belief. I think it's it's there if they're willing to commit to being professionals. There's an opportunity for this team to get on a run. The question is, have they tuned the coach out too much? Are they too far gone in terms of specifically Joel Embiid? John makes a great point about Ben's game translating to the regular season, not necessarily the postseason, and what happens in that situation. There's a lot of ifs. We shouldn't be sitting here on March 15th with this many ifs with this team. I'll agree. But I still have a feeling my sports gut tells me this team gets on a run. We'll see how it plays out. We'll talk some Sixers when we get back. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. Again, thanks to John Johnson. He's got an update for you. We'll come back with your phone calls. I'll replay the Joe Girardi interview with Howard Eskin coming up at 9 o'clock in its entirety. I'm Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 841. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. Brought to you by Mark's Jewelers. And to continue the conversation, through 55 games, the 76ers have fallen short of expectations. And Joel Embiid has played his part in it, seemingly checking out at times, commenting how he's trying to, quote, fit in. Most recently, taking a lot of heat for shushing the crowd, followed by a controversial Instagram post. At Media Day at All-Star Festivities in Chicago, Embiid addressed the heat he's been taking. The whole season, I... You know, I've been quiet. Before I was on social media acting crazy and people say that it was immature 
and I'll stop and people now everybody says that you know I don't have passion for the game I don't care about the game so it's a lose-lose situation so I just got to be myself and uh, if it was people the wrong way uh, so what I just got to be myself and and I think it's gonna help me a lot and Beaton Simmons will represent the team in the all-star game tomorrow night Looking to get engaged? Shop Marks Jewelers' great collection of diamond engagement rings at their flagship store in Montgomeryville or online at marks-jewelers.com. To stream 94WIP, get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports, go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94WIP. Eight forty-seven. welcome back in, everybody. I am Rob Ellis, thrilled to be with you on this Chilly Saturday. Again, we'll, we'll be okay. It's going to be warmer tomorrow. Before you know it, we're going to be into March. March is kind of a potpourri. I always get nervous, though, when we have the kind of winters we've had so far, which have been extremely mild, that we're going to get crushed in March and April. Like, we'll be watching Phillies baseball, and there'll be snowflakes <laughs> coming down. And uh, it, it is it is unbelievable, though, we are that close. We need, You know what we need, though? we got to fast forward a little bit. Let's get to, like, March Madness. Let's get to the beginning of the baseball season. Let's get to the draft, right? I mean, it's We still have basketball, thank God, although unfortunately the Sixers are off till Thursday. You know, we, we still have hockey. Flyers lose today to the Lightning, but they played well this year. They've been entertaining to watch for sure. They're relevant again, which we haven't been able to say in a couple of years. But, you know, it, it is a bit of a slower time if we're, if we're being real about this, right? So that is the hope, right? The hope is – that we kind of get through this right now. A little bit of a tougher period. We get the Combine coming up February 27th. So the Combine's right around the corner. Then we'll dig a little bit deeper into draft. It is strange, though. And I can't really remember the last time. We've really gone about two weeks plus somewhere in that neighborhood without there really being some kind of Eagle storyline. Like we did after the Super Bowl you know, we, we, we got the way that the coaching staff was going to be structured and the fact that there wasn't going to be an offensive coordinator. Yeah, o- okay. I mean, that wasn't really exactly gigantic news. But it's been pretty pretty quiet on the Eagles front. And I saw that Josh Norman was going to be released by the Redskins, and there were some, some people, count me out on this, that wanted to bring Josh Norman in here. I, don't want, I think the guy's toast. At this point, I don't want any parts of him. I, I don't want to keep getting older. I'd rather, you know, get somebody younger in here who can actually play. I, I need somebody with some speed. I think this team on both sides has just lacked speed so badly. And when you finally saw somebody like Miles Sanders come in there, and, and really, I get Boston Scott, Scott props for this too. It was kind of like, whoa, that's what that is. Hadn't seen that in a while. The speed element of this thing. And that's something I think this team really needs. I think it's got to be a priority in the draft. I get it. You don't just draft somebody because they can run. You draft somebody because they can run and play. And that's been an issue. But make no mistake, this is a gigantic draft and offseason for Howie Roseman and the Eagles run office. It really is. You know, the honeymoon period of the Super Bowl, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's going to completely wear off. And I, I think you're seeing signs of maybe them bouncing back in the draft because last year they certainly nailed their first two. I'm a big believer in Andre Dillard. I think you're going to see it this year when he takes over. 
at the left tackle spot, which I think he will for Jason Peters. And you saw what Miles Sanders is. So that's a great start to get your top two right. 17 and 18 were rough. They were rough. And when you look at it, when you have a team that has holes at the receiver spot, in my opinion, at the defensive end spot, at the defensive back spot, at the linebacker spot, you're getting older at the safety position for sure. Like, there's a lot of ways you can go. The good thing is you don't have to necessarily pigeonhole yourself for one position. The bad news is there's a lot of positions you need help at. So it really depends how you look at it. But speed would be a priority for me at the receiver spot because even if you're bringing back Deshaun, you can't count on him staying healthy. And he'll be 33 years old, 34 years old this year. So whatever it is, it's short term. You certainly need wheels on the outside of corner. There is no question about that. And I'm sure they'll, they're going to justify Derek Barnett, who had an okay year. He wasn't terrible, but he hasn't been good enough. You need someone who's going to consistently get to the quarterback, and they don't have it. Brandon Graham came on and played excellent to close out the season, but you can't keep counting on Brandon Graham. You've got to get somebody opposite of him, somebody in that rotation, and I don't mean Vinnie Curry, who will be able to get home and get to that quarterback. It's going to be huge for this team. Let's go to Herb in Kensington. Let's talk some Eagles. What's up, Herb? Hey, hello. Um, listen, a few weeks ago I called – and mentioned about Tom Brady being a free agent and my fear of him going to the Dallas Cowboys because I think their quarterback really isn't that great. You know, he's decent, but he's not that great. And he wants $35 million. They could probably get t- Tom for 25 maybe less. And yeah. they got the perfect team for him. I don't think it's outrageous. I don't. I, I, I think, first of all, I think he's going to stay with the Patriots. But if he doesn't stay with the Patriots, I think you can count the Cowboys <laughs> – the Chargers and the Raiders into that mix for his. Uh, speaking about the char- Chargers, Philip Rivers is loose too. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I don't worry. Like, are you there. saying you're, what you're worried about? I'm not worried about him because yeah. he doesn't have a big arm. I, and, and it's but with he, Tom to me, Brady he's, behind he's, that line. Yeah, I agree with. With you. Tom Brady behind that line, that, that could be a scary team. Yeah, I mean that it, team it, could be a Super Bowl team. Here's what it comes down to. In spite of the owner. Right. I I think what it really comes down to is. The reality of Dak's people, like if they're going to sit there with this hard line of we want forty million, then it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Right. But if yeah. he comes off of that and they and they kind of they wake up a little bit, then I, I think there's a pretty good chance he's back there. But you're right, like like Brady, it, it's not as outrageous as people want to make it out to be. Like I, again, I think he stays yeah, in New England because he wants to throw it in Belichick's face. I think there's, I think there's a little bit of that. Like here's what I think he's. You know, one side of his brain versus another side. One side is the the sort of practical side of, man, I've had so much success here. I know this system. I know these people. I know, despite however I feel about him, the guy's a great coach, right? That's one side. The other side yeah. is uh, no doubt. The other side no of doubt. his brain says, "Well, oh, you you want a Garoppolo over me, and the owner basically forced your hand to trade him away. So you st- so you're telling me you think you can win without me? Okay, well, let's go find out." So I think there's a little bit of both going on, but I do think, again, I think in the end he stays there. But I hear you. Like, if I'm an Eagle fan, uh, I'd be a little nervous about that, too. Yeah. Like, I, I think it got legs since I brought it up like a month ago, and everyone laughed at me. 
Now everyone's not laughing so much. They're starting to take notice that this might happen. This is a possibility. Herb had it first, it's people. Happen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm just letting you know. I want it on Johnson's update. I want. I want to say, bite me when I'm when it's all over <laughs> with. <laughs> I, I hope we're not, because that'll mean you're right about it. Let's hope you're wrong. Yeah, I know. I have these feelings. I'm telling you, yeah. I got ESP and shit. I got. Well, okay, I, I, take it easy, pal. All right. All right. We got it, Ant. We got it. All right. I should have. I should have probably cut that off a little bit earlier. I put that. I, I'll go Andy Reid. I got to do a better job. You know, I kind of sensed that. You my, do have a good feel for that stuff. My spidey senses were were tingling a little bit, and I and I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then he then he went he went rogue on us. That's all right. It happens. It happens. You live and you learn. But yeah, I, listen. I I think part of what Brady's doing it's a little bit of hey, I might want to stick it to Belichick, but he's also driving the price up. You know, make no mistake, if. I get his age, okay? But if there's anybody who has leverage, it's Tom Brady. Think about the alternative. Who's New England's backup? I'll wait. Exactly. That's the point. They don't have anybody like Garoppolo who's ready to step in there and play right now. So if I'm Belichick, okay, and and you might think, and obviously there's a level of arrogance there with Belichick that that's unbelievable. And you know what? Look, rightfully so, right? But ultimately, if I'm Belichick, I'm saying to myself, hmm, I'm going to let this guy walk and either, either draft somebody or throw Jarrett Stidham in there or go out and get a retread like Rivers or take your pick who could be floating around. Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater actually wouldn't be a bad signing. I'm not putting him in that category. But – if my options are those guys and the GOAT, you can figure out money. Okay, you can figure out money. So I think ultimately he will be there in the end. I think he will be a Patriot. Now, I, I again, the Cowboys thing is not outlandish completely, but I think they either franchise tag Dak or Dak comes to his senses. Well, the Cowboys have some issues. They get to re-sign Amari Cooper. They have other guys that they have to re-sign. It, it is, there's going to be some tough choices made in Dallas for sure. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. All right, we'll get a timeout. We come back. We are going to play for you. I, I, I thought there were a lot of fa- – I was listening to this live. There are a lot of fascinating elements of this interview, and we are going to play for you Howard Eskin's interview in its entirety with Phillies manager Joe Girardi. When we get back, I'm Rob Ellis. WFB Sports Time is 8.57. 9 o'clock hour. Welcome back in, everybody. Yes, Phillies spring training underway. Pitchers and catchers report it. And it's just great seeing, just seeing them. And that warm Florida Sun, and believe it or not, exhibition game. This is hard to hard to fathom. One week from today. Yes, one week from today. And you can hear the game right here on WIP at 1 o'clock. But the Phillies will be underway against Detroit next weekend at 1 o'clock on Saturday and then 1 o'clock on Sunday against the Pirates. That will be in Clearwater on Sunday. So Joe Girardi sat down with Howard Eskin, who was down in Clearwater, Florida, and wide-ranging interview. But I I just – I said this before. I'm hearing a lot of things from Girardi 
that are that just uh, I'm telling you as a as a baseball fan that make me swoon. So sit back, enjoy. Here's Joe Girardi with Howard Eskin. 94 WIP. I'm Howard Eskin. We're here in Clearwater, Florida, and we're joined by the manager of the Phillies, who has had a honeymoon thus far. And I want to congratulate you, Joe. You're thank unde- you. You're undefeated thus yes, far. Yes, I am. Yeah. I am. <laughs> I, I told my daughter that last night. Still undefeated, baby. I know. You're going to be undefeated for a while. Yeah. Because we won't count. About 41 more days or yeah. something like that. <laughs> it is a long time, man. It is a long time. All right. You're managing again after, what, a couple of years off. How much did you miss it? I'm not going to ask if you missed it because you had to miss it. That's why you came back. How yeah, much did you miss it? Uh, uh, so much. Um, I love managing baseball. It's, it's, I love it more than, than playing the game. Uh, there's no O force when you, uh, right. when you manage, but it's just the relationships and seeing people have success and and the strategy of the game and the relationships you create with your coaches and the players and the fans. Um, I missed it more than I ever would have thought that I missed it. So this has been a, a true blessing for me. You know, I always, uh, not o- but in many cases, believe that a catcher and a pitcher can be better at managing a baseball team because they're into every pitch. Did you find that? when you started managing to be the case and find it now that, you know, you're thinking like you were when you were behind the plate as a catcher? I think what happens for catchers is you manage a game every day when you're playing because you understand what you have in your bullpen. You understand who's on the mound and how many innings you need to get from him to be successful. And you set up the game plan in your head how you're going to get the hitters out. Because to me, yeah, scoring runs is important, but the game is really about run prevention. And, and the more runs that you prevent, the better chance you have to win every day. And you do that every day back there. You have to deal with guys that run and, and possible hit and run and calling pitches to try to negate those things. So you're always thinking about the strategy of the game where other players don't necessarily do that. They think about, okay, where do I need to set up defensively? That's all they're thinking about. They're not thinking about what pitch is going to be called or any of that, or who's left in the bullpen. They don't think about that. So I think for us, it comes natural. You know, when you, um, as a base, I'll call you a baseball guy and not a computer guy, there's obviously thoughts of how you and how baseball constructed a lineup. Have you changed those thoughts? And in with that being the case, how do you like to construct a lineup? Uh, it used to be, I forget who which player I was talking to yesterday. The third hitter was an on-base guy, with, hit with a pretty good average and had some power. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it has changed a little bit. But I, I think that the biggest principle that I try to follow is I want my best hitters to hit the most. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the bottom line. And if I have guys that are great on-base guys and great power guys, there's a real good chance they're going to hit second. Or, or maybe even third. If I have guys that aren't such great on-base guys and are slug guys, they're going to hit a little bit further down in the lineup. But when you get that that rare guy that does both, hits for power, and is on-base all the time, your lineup becomes extremely dangerous, and that's what we want to create. So is, does that mean Bryce Harper is a two-hitter rather than a three-hitter? He could be. Um you know, and, and so much of it depends on everybody around them. You you can't just say, oh, I'm going to hit this guy here because 
maybe you don't have a, a, a leadoff hitter that is right-handed that fits the bill. So maybe you want to go left, right, left, opposed to going left, left, because now with the new rule where they have to face three hitters, you, you kind of want to spread your lefties out, maybe put two right-handers in between. So the lineup construction always depends on everyone, not just one guy. Well, obviously what's important for this team is I called him Lawrence the other day and got crushed on Twitter, uh, McCutcheon. Because I remember the running back who obviously yes. <laughs> a good running back. That's all right. I got quarter of a million views over a guy taking <laughs> BP, which is ridiculous. Uh, but McCutcheon is important because he is probably your best leadoff hitter. Would yes. you agree with that? I, I would say going into this year, he has been the best leadoff guy that is in camp. Now, could someone else emerge? Absolutely. But in my mind, playing with that, I'm thinking that he's our leadoff guy. But you also understand that he's not going to be able to play every day. So someone else has to fit the bill there. And we might take it a little bit slow in the beginning just because of what he's coming back for and not trying to give him too much. So I'm not a guy that wants to change the lineup completely every day. I mean, if you're facing a right-hander and a right-hander, I don't want to have two lineups that are completely different. I, I like consistency because I think hitters work together. So... But in saying that, you know, Kutch is, you know, is the favorite to be the leadoff hitter going in. All right. So now we come to will he be ready? I, and I'll just preface this by saying, and I've seen a lot of ACL injuries in football. Pat Shermer, who you remember, uh, obviously I still know him, told me when people were complaining about Wentz, hey, it took Bradford close to two years to come back fully from that kind of injury. And – and McCutcheon is in his 30s, is there really – it seems like there's a chance he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. You, I yeah, know you don't yeah. want to – you want to give people this positive approach, but in reality, it hasn't even been a year. Well, the thing is that everybody heals a little bit different, and he has not been in, you know, complete game-like conditions to where it's fair to evaluate in what happens to his knee, you know. Right now, everything he goes through is controlled, and everything has been good, and we expect everything to continue to be good. But, you know, maybe if he got on bases and had to go first to home and then, you know, first to third, maybe he's a little bit sore the next day. So we're not really going to know that until um, we get into some games in spring training. But in saying that, everything has been really positive so far. Like yesterday, he was on the field taking BP. He was doing light outfield drills. That's good. And, and, and we're still, you know, 40, I think 40 days away from our first game. I mean, there's a long time here. You know, when I watched him yesterday, it looked like he was swinging more with his upper body because is he either afraid or not quite there with that knee? Did I misread the way I, I, I watched him? I didn't him? see his BP. Um, What's I, on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I always thought he was somewhat of an upper body hitter anyway. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. Everyone knows that when you have an injury, there's a little hesitancy until you, like, maybe get knocked down or, or something, or if you're a football player, you take a hit, you know, until you go through it in a game and maybe he uses his whole body, he's going to be a little hesitant, and we all get that. All right. Uh, this is a question that I come up with every year, and I, I've i had Matt Klintak and, and dealt with this. The Phillies with, was it, 972 analytics people? Uh, you know, I'm being sarcastic. And... And the previous manager leaned on his computer so much. But, again, I go back to you being a baseball guy. How much do you really have a feel, look at it, and it's baseball, and not 
mark everything down, and this guy's here, and this guy's here because of analytics? Well, I, I really believe that analytics have been used a long time. We call them numbers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we call them averages and, and, and statistics. And, and you know, so every decision that a manager has made has involved numbers the, the whole way through. Like, you don't just bring in a right-hander to face a right-hander just because just because you know that if this guy's had success off of this guy or he's been good against right that's been going on for a hundred years right so to me the analytics is just another tool in your toolbox to use and you know I've always been you know what I would call a math guy because I think math tells a story over time I, I do but math doesn't always tell the story that day you know numbers are black and white issue where the game is played in a gray issue right so so it's our it. job to marry them together to make the best possible decision to help players have success some days we're going to be right some days we're going to be wrong because there's a human element always involved like every day that we drop a game plan you know i imagine us winning 10 to nothing but it never goes according to plan <laughs> no, but i think you have to use every everything that you have at your disposal to make the best possible decision that you can't well the one thing that i never heard until a few years ago and now baseball has their own company i guess stat whatever it is launch angle and exit velocity i think is it's hurt some players i scott, agree okay uh i'll use scott kingery as an example who i think is going to be a really good player and i think we all agree with that I'm not, it's not rocket science but he struck out a hundred about 150 times later. that's ridiculous this guy is a probably a 20 home run guy who should hit 280 and be really good for you in the field. However, he swings up. I see him work. He wants home runs. This is just – is launch angle to you? They coach guys like this. It drives me crazy. Okay. I was I was re-signed by the Chicago Cubs in the year 2000, and Jeff Pentland was the hitting coach, and I believe he was a physics major. He's one of the best hitting coaches I've ever been around. And he used to always say, get the ball in the air. Get the ball in the air. He didn't say launch angle, but he would say back knee goes down, ball goes up, is, is what he would say. And it's what he taught. So, But do you change your swing to no, do that? No, I, I, I believe, yes, you want to get the bat in the zone and keep it in the zone as long as possible. Correct. So guys that have steep swings, a guy like Curtis Granderson had a really steep swing, had a lot of power. But there were strikeouts because the bat was in and out of the zone very quickly. But when he hit it, Grandy, he was very effective, and, and he did a lot of damage. You want guys that keep the, the bat in the zone a long time and get the ball in the air with their legs because then then you really have something. So I don't think that and, – and we used to call them ropes, right? right? We knew when we hit a ball hard. We didn't need a number. Right. But I think sometimes young players can get caught up in that. And, and, and if I had one statistic that I would measure hitters by – it would be quality at bats. Okay. Uh, I, I, you, we agree that uh, Betts is a great player. Yes. Right? Okay. Yelich is a great player. Beautiful. Launch angle for Betts last year was 18.4, which was 17th in the league. He still had 32 home runs. Yelich, who missed six weeks, 4.7, 250th in the league, and he had 36 home runs right. and he missed six weeks. Why do you need – why do, do some people pound it in their heads that you've got to swing up 
You can't hit a fastball or breaking ball, a high fastball or breaking ball that way. Right, because there's more damage done in the air than there is on the ground. That's that's what it really comes down to. And and we all understand that, but hard contact is important. Contact is important, and the quality of a bat is important to me. I, you know, I don't want to say, well, he's got a launch angle of 23. Okay, if he doesn't ever get any hits and he strikes out all the time, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> a little guy can't have a high launch angle because his his balls in the air are out. Big, powerful guys can have more of a launch angle because their balls carry out of the ballpark. So, t- to me, it's players understanding who they are and us helping them understand who they are to get the best out of them. All right. It, uh, um, Joe, you played in an era when Mike Schmidt played. Oh, yeah. I uh, would always talk to Mike about hitting. It was it was great. It was fascinating to me because he was one that always made adjustments up in the box, back in the box, closer, back, because pitchers make adjustments. But he would like to swing down on the ball, he said, because top spin will drive the ball. And he led the home run three t- he led the league in home runs three times. Why can that not still be the case? And as you said, get the bat through the zone. Why are players not coached that way? And why is Scott Kingery striking out 150 times? Well, uh, again, when, when you have topspin, actually, you, you see what happens to a, a tennis ball. Right. Right? But guys who swing down, they want to get that backspin right. and, and catch the ball like this, and it's going to go up in the air. And I know you can't see what I'm doing I can, uh, they can. on the radio. Yeah. But um, it gets the ball in the air. But the guys that are able to keep the bat flat through the zone the longest make the most contact and have the most um, room for air um, because you can be laid on a ball, but because it's flat through the zone, you might hit it down the right field line. So um, it, it, it's just been a change in philosophy. It's kind of like and, – and, and I liken it to, okay – when we grew up, the inside game in basketball was really important. Yeah, there was a mid-range game. There was yeah. where to it go? It's gone, right? Because it's more the deep three, and we'll take our chances right. that we'll have enough of them during the course of the game, and we'll win the game. We'll get more shots off. We'll shoot fast. So games have changed. Football used to be give it to the guy three times in a cloud of dust, and let's see if we get a first down. And and there's eight possessions in the game. Now we pass it ninety percent of the time. So games have evolved it's not just our game but again i still think you look at the teams that are in the world series and win the world series and go the deepest in the postseason as hitters they strike out the least they walk the most right because they make contact okay and strikeouts do matter i i mean ryan howard would say it and i heard well what's a strikeout or an out well you put the ball in play there's a lot of things that can happen uh the two strike approach is because guys apparently it's don't the care one about strike us. approach. Yeah, <laughs> the well, old strike. Jason approach. Worth was terrific with two strikes. Yeah. He was because he could take pitches. But when you see players, and it's happened on this team, a pitch because he wants to take a pitch, which is right, right in his zone, and he takes it because he wants to take pitches. Does that have to change at least a little bit? I, I think that the biggest thing for hitters today... And Reese Hoskins is one. I don't know that he's a good two-strike hitter. I think the biggest thing today is hitters have to be able to hit their pitch. They have to understand what their pitch is, and they need to be ready to hit it, whether it's 0-0, 2-0, You have to be ready to attack balls that are in the zone that you do the most damage. So understand that. And I do believe that hitters can become better hitters with two strikes because strikeouts do matter. When there's a runner on third with one out, a strikeout really matters, right? Put the ball in play and take your chances. Maybe you got contact on and the guy's really fast and you can score. 
You know, you got a guy like Roman Quinn on, and and he's doing contact. It's going to be hard to get him out unless the guy hits a bullet, right? So, strikeouts do matter, and and and, and to just just say that. I mean, there are certain guys, there are certain at bats that a strikeout's not going to matter, right? And outs and out, but there are a lot at bats that we need you to put the ball in play. Joe, why are the why is has the Yankees farm system been so good? I mean, we saw what happened to them last year. The most injuries, guys on the injured list, and they won 103 games. Mm-hmm. So when when you or when Matt or when well, if we don't have injuries, well, everybody has injuries. It's really the system that supports it. Why has the Yankees system been so good? It wasn't for a long time. Oh, really? It, 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 you know, my first, you know, seven or eight years, it, it, it struggled. So when we had injuries, we had to go outside to, to, to gather players. But over time, they made trades, you know, July 31st trades like a Chapman and an Andrew Miller, and they built up their farm system, and they made some really important international signings. They got more money, and it took off. But eventually, that catches up to you, right? Eventually, you don't get as much to mm-hmm. sign the international. Now you're picking 29th or 30th all the time. You can't trade players away, you know, really good players away to build up your farm system because you're in it, right? I mean, think about what they got Chapman. They got Glaber Torres, right? And then they got Chapman back. So, I mean, think about that. So, there's a lot of things that happened that went right for them. And, you know, all farm systems start to dwindle a little bit, but I think they're also very good at preparing their players. You know, uh, uh, Joe, I know you said yesterday that uh, the Astros situation, you just move on and you don't really care about it. I believe that was your last game as a Yankee manager yes. when Altuve knew what was coming. <laughs> like, how do you hit a fastball? No, you're ready for a changeup. It's, it's mind-boggling. You've got to be pissed. I mean, all these players are talking about it. Bo even said, you know, these guys are going to get drilled. And back in the day, they would drill these guys. Yeah. They're going to get hit. Somebody's going to be throwing at these guys. And you've got to be pissed, Joe. You've you know, got to I, be. I, I, I guess I've just moved on. It, it doesn't it, – I haven't really it's your thought your last much. game as a Yankee manager. and you. <laughs> I, really, I really don't think much about it. You know, really? I, I don't because I, I'm more concerned as I'm taking, you know, all the signs from our pitchers and what they use and trying to figure out a system that we protect our signs more. I'm more worried about that because there's nothing I can do about 2017, 16, 15. I, I can't do it. So, and, and, and you know, I'm a believer and I believe that God puts me where he wants me. No matter what, what is out there, that's where he, he wants me here in Philadelphia, and it's my time here. Bellinger just went off on them yeah. yesterday. You know, you realize it changed. Altuve won the MVP, but it could have been Judge. There's a lot of different things. Uh, there's a lot of different things, and, and a lot of times it's beneficial for players. They end up getting large contracts because they're they're very successful. And guys go down and never see the light but of But it's day. the world we live in. Yeah. All right, Joe. Hey. Thank I, you. I appreciate No, thank you. It's I love talking baseball with a baseball guy. Don't ever use the term XFIP. Because I went off on that. <laughs> Don't use XFIP, please. I won't. Don't worry. All right. All right. I think uh, Joe Girardi profiled very well there. That's just me personally. No, it was good stuff. Good stuff from Howard. Good wide-ranging interview. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun watching Girardi and, and seeing what uh, what he can do with this team this year for sure. All right. We'll get a timeout here. We'll get a John Johnson update. We come back, we can uh, get your thoughts on Joe Girardi. But I'll also let you hear from Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler. From All-Star Weekend, mentions the Sixers. We'll do that when we get back. I'm Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 923.
Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. I'm John Johnson. As we count down the days to Philly's full squad workouts, pitchers and catchers continue to ramp up their own workouts. Now, one concern fans have had under the front office of Matt Klintek and Andy McPhail has been their use or overuse of analytics. Well, as a guest of WIP, as you just heard with Howard Eskin, does manager, how does jo, uh, manager Joe Girardi view analytics? Numbers are a black and white issue where the game is played in a gray issue. Right, so so it's it. our job to marry them together, to make the best possible decision to help players have success. Some days we're going to be right, some days we're going to be wrong because there's a human element always involved. Uh, the interview podcasted at ninety four wip dot com to stream ninety four wip. Get our podcast and the latest stories in Philadelphia sports. Of course, go to ninety four wip dot com. Twenty twenty sports on Sports Radio ninety four wip. Nine twenty-seven. Taking you up to the top of the hour, then it'll be Sean Bell at that time. Eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four pound nine four nine four on your AT and T and Verizon cell. All right, so gonna let you hear from Joel Embiid in a second, but I want you to hear Jimmy Butler first. We all know, you know, the way things exploded <laughs> uh, this week when Joel Embiid puts the uh, the tweet out. You know, the, the the Harvey Dent, the Batman tweet. Everybody loses their mind. He's showing himself, shushing the crowd, shut the bleep up, all that good stuff, right? So everybody goes crazy. Of course, part of this is Jimmy Butler has to make himself a, a part of the story. He chimes in. I know some place where they love, you know, love villains, all this other stuff. So everybody goes crazy about that. So we haven't heard from Jimmy Butler on his chiming in on Joel's Instagram yet, but he addressed that at All-Star Weekend. Here's what he had to say. Well, to me, Joel Embiid, he's not a 76ers player. That's, that's my brother. That's my guy. Right. I went through the trenches with him, so it has nothing to do with that. But because I did comment and yeah. damn near broke the Internet, <laughs> I posted that uh, – the captain, the, the hero and vision. Yeah, the I did that in, in so, Minnesota. So that's why I commented. All right. So he had that to say regarding that. But let's hear from him regarding the Sixers, and we'll address both. Here you go. Keep those problems over there. He got a little shot in, which is Butler-esque. Keep those problems over there. All right, as far as the uh, the Instagram, you know, he can say what he wants, that he's not a sixer, that's his brother, he was in the trenches with him last year and all that. Yeah, he was in the trenches with him for sure. But Jimmy Butler is a very smart guy. Jimmy Butler knows exactly what he's doing. Jimmy Butler is very calculating. If you think it didn't occur to Jimmy Butler for one second that that comment and Joel, and, and believe me, this is more on Joel for responding, by the way. Butler could have put that out there, and then Joel just leaves it alone, and it doesn't blow up as much as it does, where you know Joel says, damn right, my brother. But when Joel does that, it goes into orbit. It goes into a different stratosphere. But if you think Jimmy didn't know what he was doing when he did that, please, come on. He knew exactly what he was doing when he did that. Now, as far as the other stuff, who cares? He, play, he, he wants to claim that. He put that quote out there first, that tweet out there first. 
difference does it make? Doesn't make any difference whatsoever. I'll say this. I, I think when you look at the Sixers, I think they're going to have a tough time getting past Milwaukee. I think Toronto is going to be a challenge. I don't think either team's unbeatable. Uh, but I think everybody else in front of them, it's very much doable. You look at, you know, Miami, even with the addition of Iguodala, I don't think that that is that big a game changer. Yes, it's going to help them come playoff time for sure, you would think. But Miami's been counting on a lot of younger players a lot of the year, and I don't mean out of bio. But I'm talking like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and that crew. And I think that reality is kind of setting in a little bit on some of those guys. And they've lost six of their last ten. They come back to earth a little bit. I see a Boston team that's playing really well. And Jason Tatum's, you know, in any, like, MVP conversation now, he's gotten that much better. He had that down sophomore year. That second year he was down a little bit. Had the phenomenal first year. But he's, he's really stepped his game up for sure and gotten that much better. But they're not unbeatable either, and they don't have a big that can handle and beat. So, yeah, I, I, I Milwaukee, Toronto, okay, that's kind of a different story. The other two teams that are in front of the Sixers, I think they're very catchable. Sixers are now 12 and a half back in Milwaukee. They're six back of Toronto. They're three and a half back of Boston and a game and a half back of the Heat. You know, they, they've played 55 games at this point. So there's still a lot of basketball. I read you the schedule a little bit earlier. They have what I would call three difficult road games. Milwaukee and both the L.A. teams. Other than that, and, that, and that's been their Achilles heel, but other than that, very winnable road games. Now, they've lost a lot of winnable road games in the first half, including, you know, Atlanta, which sticks in your memory last, but... I think there is absolutely the opportunity for them to get on a run and improve that road record. And certainly if they continue at somewhat close to this clip at home, they're going to finish with a pretty damn good record. But there are a lot of things that have to happen. You know, this the, the setup with Al Horford coming off of the bench it's got to continue. Brett's got to stay true to it. Al Horford's got to continue to accept it. And and now that you put a more ideal lineup out there for Embiid and Simmons with, I think, Korkmaz just having the ability to shoot, having those guys, having that guy out there and getting Horford out of there with them, for the most part, it's not like they're never going to play together. You're going to see them end game, defensive situations, that kind of stuff on offense sometimes too. But I'm talking less minutes together out there trying to force feed that should lend to better offensive flow, you would think. More consistency offensively. No excuses for Embiid not to be down low more. So there are things that, that they certainly have to put in place. More than anything else, they got to be pros which means show up on the road, which means when adversity hits on the road, you know, you don't just lay down like they have far too often this season. That's really where the true test is going to come. So let's hear from Joel Embiid about the Simmons situation, about the way things have gone in the first half of the season. I think it's BS uh, because when you look at uh, the last couple of years, uh, the last two years that we've been playing together, it was not a problem. 
you know, this year is only a problem because at times our offense has struggled. And I think he's, he's, gonna, he's definitely going to be better the last after the All-Star break. Uh, but, I mean, you just look at the last two years, what we've been able to do. And I, I think he can work, and he's going to work. Okay. Yes and no, right? The last couple of years, the offense certainly looked better. J.J. Redick was here the last couple of years. The last couple of years, the offense has looked good at times, and other times, like in the postseason, it's looked stagnant, in part because in the half-court set, Ben Simmons will tend to disappear. Now, here's how Simmons makes up for the unwillingness, inability to shoot from the outside. You have to continue to stay aggressive taking it to the rack. I think he's done a better job at that this year. His volume of shots is up going to the basket and getting fouled and going to the free throw line as well. He's done a better job at it. And he's, and he's making his free throws at a better rate. It's not great, but it's better. It's getting better. Those are encouraging signs. I think in part there was a lack of aggression at times because he didn't want to get fouled. And now – it looks to me like he's a little less afraid to go to the basket and, and get to the free throw line. Good signs, right? Embiid, there seemed to be more of a willingness, at least in the Clipper game. It's one game, I know. But in the Clipper game, to get in the post, not only get in the post, get deep post position. I mean, there was a play where he's literally under the basket. He's just backing down. I think it was Harrell. I can't remember who it was. Zubach, maybe. Just backing them down. Got the deep post pass, got fouled. I mean, that's what he does. When he's at his best, he's working inside out. He's drawing fouls on the other team's bigs. He's getting to the free throw line. He's getting easy looks. Then he supplements that with the three ball. I don't mind him shooting the three. But that's got to be a compliment to his post game. That's when he's at his best because he's also in a flow that way. He's scoring inside, which gives him confidence when he goes outside to knock a shot down. That's the best Joel Embiid that you can have. But what also has to happen, look, everything starts and finishes with those two guys. But if you take those two out of it for a minute, Tobias Harris has to play more consistently he has to be a factor at the end of games. Al Horford's got to accept this role and give them real punch off of the bench to go along with Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III and Mike Scott and Thibel, et cetera. But I'll tell you who could also be a huge factor here, a huge key to this team in the second half. Josh Richardson. You know, you've seen... Not only is he willing to be the guy to hold the team meetings, which I don't love because somebody else like Joel or Ben should be doing that, but he's willing to step up and be the leader. He's also not afraid to take shots at the end of the game. And maybe, just maybe, if Tobias Harris isn't willing to be that guy, maybe Josh Richardson is. That's going to be something to keep your eye on as we, as we come down the stretch here. You know, he hasn't been here that long, so it's hard to get a real feel for him in those roles. So if Josh Richardson is going to be the guy that's willing to take that shot at the end of the game, that could be gigantic for this team, just to be another option here. 
But there's a lot of heat, man. There's a lot of heat on Brett Brown to close out this season, to go deep into the playoffs, or he will be the one who will be gone. It's not going to be Joel, and it's not going to be Ben. And for people who were just prematurely calling for those guys' heads, you're kidding yourself. They're not going anywhere. You just hope that the aggression stays there for Ben, Joel gets it, and everybody's dialed in. There, there, were, there were far too often this year, so far, through the first 55 games, where you saw an unmo- unmotivated Joel. Um, not as much of late. I think over the course of the last about six, seven weeks, Ben's really stepped his game up. But Ben not, you know, not really being willing to get involved offensively. And Tobias, quite frankly, not hitting as many shots as he needs to hit. You know, you'd like for him to be a little bit more consistent from the outside. And that hasn't been the case this year. I don't know. I mean, I can't just will it. You can't just will it to happen. But for what he's being paid, he does need to give you a little bit more. But I say I still believe that there's a run in this team. There's a run on this team when they get in there. I think they're going to get into one of those kind of streaky modes, and it's going to really flip the perception of what this team is right now. And I believe that. I truly believe that in part because of their schedule, in part because of the talent that's on this roster. Not going to be easy considering what's in front of them in the East, but I think they can do it. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. Let's get an update from John. We come back, we roll into the final segment of the program. We can, we can hit the Astros, we can hit the Eagles, we can hit the Sixers, the Phillies. We've done it all tonight. We'll keep it rolling. I'm Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 940. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. I'm John Johnson. As we get closer to full squad workouts, one of the biggest frustrations of the Gabe Kapler era of Phillies baseball was his philosophy at the plate and seeming non-issue with players repeatedly striking out. As a guest of Howard Eskin earlier today, Joe Girardi sees things much differently. Strikeouts do matter. And and, and, and to just just say that, I mean, there are certain guys, there are certain at-bats that a strikeout's not going to matter, right? And outs and out. But there are a lot at bats that we need you to put the ball in play. Full squad workouts, by the way, get underway on Monday. Our first Grapefruit League action gets underway next Saturday. To stream 94WIP, get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports, go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94WIP. Welcome back in, everybody. Fast show, man. Fast show. Been a lot of fun. we got one more segment, and you can jump on 888-729-9494, pound 9494, on your AT&T and Verizon cell. Top of the uh, hour, it'll be Sean Bell taking the helm. And as I mentioned before we went to break, we we hit a lot of different things in, in tonight's show. We started off talking to Phillies. Uh, the, the Astros cheating scandal picked up a lot of uh, steam. We talked a lot of Sixers. We did mix in some Eagles as well and what's a very – quiet time period for sure with the Philadelphia Eagles um, you know a couple other odds and ends I mean the Flyers losing to the Lightning and not, not a big surprise at how good the Lightning are when you consider um, but you know I know it's pretty commonplace 
to just dump on all-star games. And we have the NBA all-star game tomorrow, of course. Team LeBron, Team Giannis. I think Team LeBron's got more talent. But it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I went back and forth when I was – I'll be breaking down this game tomorrow on Odds On on CBS 3 at 8.30. But I, I kind of went back and forth on this one. So here's, here's my thought process on the game. I think Team, team LeBron is, is, has a deeper roster for sure. I think Team Giannis, in particular Giannis and a couple other guys, may have more to prove. It might, it might mean more to them in terms of showing out. Not that everybody doesn't respect Giannis, obviously. But I think he might, might want to send a message to LeBron and, and some of the, you know, the guys on that team. But here's what I, I keep getting back to. The Kobe factor. What I mean by that. You got LeBron and Anthony Davis, both Lakers. You got LeBron, Anthony Davis, Harden, and Russell Westbrook. Harden and Westbrook grew up in, in L.A. Loving Kobe. You got LeBron playing in the city that Kobe played in. Same with Anthony Davis. You know, if, if you look at some of the, the format changes, they're honoring Kobe. If you look at who the MVP is going to be, they're going to name the MVP of the game after Kobe. So as much as I've kind of gone back and forth and the line's about four and a half, Team LeBron minus four and a half, last I checked, as much as I kind of went back and forth with the, on, on those points, what I keep getting back to in the end, I think Team LeBron wins. I think you could be looking at LeBron possibly winning the MVP. It's not great odds if you're looking at it from a betting standpoint. If I was betting it, I might go Luka in this game. But I think Team LeBron wins the game. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I know people get annoyed that they don't play defense and some of the rules changes in the game are catered around trying to get these guys to dial in a little bit more defensively the first three quarters. I don't necessarily see that. We'll see if they play a little bit harder on defense. I wouldn't expect a ton of minutes out of Embiid, just my guess. And Ben's game, while it, it's, it lends itself to the wide open, you know, running the floor, which is like, you know, air to him, I think he'll be really good in that capacity. But it's also a lot of threes being launched. So I, I think Ben's going to play very well, depending on how many minutes he gets. He is, he is a reserve on LeBron's team. He and, uh, he and Joel are on opposite teams. But I wouldn't expect a ton out of Joel. I think Ben will get his for sure. But like I said, in an all-star game, it's a lot of three balls being launched. So we'll see what happens. But I would say ultimately in the end, if people are paying attention to it, I would take Team LeBron. And I, I'm still entertained by it. Like, I get it. It's chic to dump on it. I think the most competitive all-star game is the baseball all-star game just because of the way baseball is set up. It's, so, it's such a one-on-one -on -one thing in the body of a team game, pitcher against hitter. I think it's a little more pure in that form. Hockey, you see it. It's up and down the ice. It's a ton of scoring. It's very little defense. Basketball can be the same way. Football. That's the one that's probably most got to go. I think it's the one that's cared about the least. But 
everybody says they won't watch All-Star games. I'll watch. I'll watch tomorrow night. I'll watch it every year. And I, I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> I, I'm a basketball addict, so I will be watching. And the only bummer for me is, you know, we're going to have to go nine days without the Sixers playing, Tuesday to Thursday, which is pretty brutal. That's the only downside of this. I, I'd prefer these guys be back by Tuesday or Wednesday at the latest, but I get it. You know, it's collectively bargained and all that kind of stuff. But I think, I think tomorrow night will be fine in the All-Star game. So that's where we are Sixers-wise. Phillies-wise, I talked about this earlier. You got games next week. You got exhibition games next week. You're going to have full squads in there. I've seen a lot of the video of, of Harper working out. It was good to see McCutcheon in there, or as Howard calls him, Lawrence McCutcheon. Good to see Lawrence or Larry in there. And by the way, I suggested this, and I do want props for it. I said it the, the, the night of the Larry thing. When they do the jersey, what what is that thing called, Anthony? When they do their, uh, they put whatever name they want on the jerseys. That series, do you remember? You know what I'm talking about? They put their nicknames on there, whatever it's called. I'll look it up. Andrew McCutcheon has to go by either Lawrence or Larry. That's got to be his. But I just think about what getting him back can mean to this team. They never replaced him out of that leadoff spot. Having McCutcheon back. Coupled with, I think, Harper coming out of the shoot better than he did last year because he's got a full spring training. And I think that was a that was a factor in his slow start. Now he came on big time. But having him back, having Real Muto and knowing exactly what he is, Kingery over Franco slash whomever is an upgrade at third, for sure. Gregorius at shortstop is an upgrade over what you got last year from Segura, and Segura at second is an upgrade from Hernandez. This will be a good lineup. I'm not telling you it's going to be a great lineup. It's not the Dodgers. It's not the Yankees. But it's a good lineup. The lineup is not going to be the issue. The issue is going to be the pitching. And if Arietta, and we talked to Bob Brook over a little bit earlier, if Arietta somewhat bounces back to form, I'm not counting on it. But I'm just saying, if he somewhat bounces back to form, if I think Eflin's going to be fine, I'm not buying into whatever is going to be in the four hole, which is Pavetta or Velasquez. But if at some point, sooner rather than later, you get Spencer Howard up there and somebody steps up from this bullpen, you got a shot. It's unfortunate they're in a really tough division. But if all those things that I just laid out happen, they do have a shot. The problem is when you're talking about the Nats and the Braves, there's not as many ifs. That doesn't mean it can't happen, but there's just not as many ifs going into the season. I think the Mets and Phillies are pretty comparable. But all in all, it is, it's not going to be easy to get out of that division for sure. So... That's where we are with the Phillies. With the Flyers, I think they're a playoff team. They generally bounce back from tough losses. That was a tough loss today to, today to the Lightning. They showed some fight in the game, but they got to start games off faster. But they generally bounce back, so look for them to bounce back in the next one. And, you know, as far as the Eagles, we're in kind of a holding pattern. We're really in a holding pattern until the combine, which isn't necessarily specifically Eagles-related. 
but at least we're going to hear from Doug, likely. We're going to hear from Howie, likely. I'll tell you, one of the trends that you're seeing is teams are sending less assistant coaches to the combine. They're, they're just spending their resources in other areas. But that'll be the next thing. I think it's February 27th into, like, March 3rd, something like that. So that'll be the next thing and probably the next time we hear from the Eagles. And, you know, we'll hear from the Eagles in the, in, on the coaching structure and why they choose to go that route. But that's kind of where everybody is, you know, from a team perspective in Philadelphia sports. So it's going to be interesting to see the way things shake out with the winter teams and now as we transition into the, uh, into the spring and the summer for sure. Big five game tomorrow, kind of old school, Villanova at Temple tomorrow afternoon at the Leah Chorus. So that should be fun as well. All right, I want to thank Anthony Foley. Excellent job, as always, producing John Johnson, not only for the updates for hopping in here, talking a little Sixers, Bob Brookover a little bit earlier. As I mentioned, I'll be back tomorrow at 10 o'clock with Ray Didinger in studio. I'm looking forward to that. And I'll catch you on the TV side prior to that. I'll be on 8.30 tomorrow morning, CBS 3, odds on. Myself, Pat Gallon, will break down the All-Star game for you, all the college hoops, all the NHL that you could possibly want. We will do that. Fun show. I want to thank everybody who listened, everybody who called, everybody who streamed. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Sean Bell's got you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. WIP Sports Time is 9.56. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.